The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be together this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And then over here, I got Grumpy. Grumpy. Yeah. Tommy. Well, I'm here. Oh, man, you <laughs> know Jim what? Jim Crowder. I, 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 oh, I can't remember what it is, but I think there's a plant called Mr. Grumpy we or gotta something get like that. I know. Oh, I got to find what it is because I'm like, this is the thing. But he's not. Well, I was he's not just going to say that right after. Where did we get? Well, I know. Well, Mr. Grumpy. He's not grumpy anymore because after you get new hips, new knees, new everything, you feel much better. Oh, oh he's got grumpy on his coffee yes, mug. Yes, he does. But you you said he's not grumpy anymore. Right, You're insinuating uh, that he used to be. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, if I had these pills years ago, I'd have a lot more friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, um, our good friend, Mr. Paul Little, uh, his wife passed away. Uh, Kay Little, and so we want to, you know, wish Paul uh, our condolences. You know, our prayers and thoughts are with him. Love him to death. You know, I just hate that. You know about his family, but um, Jim, you, I think you were were talking about it the other day, or or somebody. You, I don't know how. Anyway, I don't even know how I found out early in the week, but I hated to hear it. You know, well, oh, I'll no. get there one of these days. But Mr. Paul, if you're listening, uh, you know our our prayers go out to you. Honestly, yes, Mr. Paul, we. Miss you. Yep. And uh, I always think of when we go, it's fall, y'all. Yeah. I think of Mr. Paul. And he's definitely one of the old-fashioned dirt buddies, you know, like Jan mm-hmm. and Jamie and a lot of other people yeah. out there. So, But, man, what about this past week, the weather? Man. You know, here it is in August. Last Tuesday, I went out Monday, Monday afternoon late to take the dog out. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the, the, the wind and, and just oh. the change because it had been so thick and humid. Right. Uh, you know, the week before that, but it felt great. <laughs> this is me. This is me this week. Oh, the weather's great. Check out the availability. Should I get shrubs from Greenleaf? How yeah. about, oh, I love it, shrubs. I'm ordering, I'm ordering. I'm like, yay, you know, okay, I can wait till September, but yay. And then yesterday I wadded it all up and threw it in the trash because oh, yeah. it was so hot. Yeah, yeah. I was We're like, not what was I yeah. thinking? Faux fall got me. We're not, we're not and, done with it yet. I'm like, but, we can't even say faux fall in August. We just had a little blessing. That's all. Yeah, we did, and thank you for that. And But, but I'm telling you, um, it's getting a little dry again out there also. And it's going to be really dry for the next seven to ten days. Oh, boy. Really? And really yeah, hot. It's going to be really hot. So, Humidity. We should, towards the end of next week, we should have some heat index near 120. Oh, man. Oh, Come so on, ex- Jim. I hadn't yeah. seen that. I am so excited. High five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't seen it because I don't look anymore because I right. don't want to know. I want to know. And I, I just say, oh, the weather changes all the time. It'll have a cold front by then. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, the water, water, water. You know, we've talked about water yeah. this whole year. We do every summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, we hadn't have had to as much not, until right now. So you think we all, everybody needs to go out and get their lawn saturated, get their plants watered really well so they can be hydrated before we get into this heat again. Yeah, and you know, and also it's the same old thing where, you know, overwatering just as bad as, you know, as underwatering. And I don't want to, you know, scare people into not watering. 
you have to water, but you have to water your water garden. <laughs> you, I mean, do. you do. Really, I, I filled up the uh, lotus yesterday, and they're mm-hmm. down two inches this morning. Whoa, whoa! They are That's, sucking the moisture out. Yeah, man. You know, when we were talking about water gardens, and you were talking about fertilizing, using the fertilizer tabs, and pushing them down in there, I didn't uh, ever fertilize that much on the water garden stuff. And so I decided to do that, like Jim says. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw more out there, do more. And we have water garden at work. And, uh, man, my water lilies bloom like crazy. Mm-hmm. The lotus is happy. Uh, so I can definitely, I mean, of course, that's why we fertilize. But you can really see a big you difference. You can really yeah. see a big difference. Water plants are, well, they're all weeds. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. But they're heavy, heavy feeders. To get Boy, them to are they. Well. Because I, I had thought at first, well, um, you know, they get all their nutrients they need from the pond where we have bacteria and all that. I said, so, you know, they're getting probably what they need. And then I realized um, that we don't allow it to really set up and keep all that sediment and bacteria mm-hmm. and microorganisms in our pond. We're, we're cleaning it. And so we do have to replenish, just like I talk about with soil. And I'm like, thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you for making me realize water plants have to be fed too. Yeah. I mean, and when you fill up a water, your water feature, are you using just regular tap water, chlorinated water? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's yeah, not, you know, if you're topping all 15, 20%, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to bother it. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, if you do more than that, you should probably use a dechlorinator, yeah. you think? Yeah. yeah. Or, or pour some water in a big bucket and let it just set up overnight. Right. You know, the chlorine's right. going to dissipate from it and then pour it in there. You need a lot of buckets around my house. Yeah. <laughs> and you do it for that reason, Jim? Yeah. Well, hey, at some point this morning, I had, had a guy come into the garden center this week, and he had a couple big oak trees taken. Well, he had one that just snapped in half, mm-hmm. uh, an oak tree. And the thing was hollow, I mean, from the ground really? to the tip. Yes. And this huge, massive portion of the trunk that was laying down, he took a picture Mm-hmm. Through it. Oh, it was like yeah. a big straw, <laughs> I'm telling you. So this thing snapped in half, and the top half came down and hit another tree, and it was leaning towards the house. So it had them both taken down. So now that he's got this blank slate where he used mm-hmm. to have these two massive oak trees, he was thinking, he came in and he was like, you know, I, I don't want to put just another oak tree yeah. back out there. I want to think about maybe some unusual type trees. Mm-hmm. So um, I went and did some digging last night, and I wrote down some unusual trees. Oh, I thought you were going to say you dug some up. No, no. You said you was digging last night. (laughs) No, no, I just, but some unusual, what I think Mm. are unusual. Jim's probably going to go, eh, they're not unusual. You know, they're everywhere. I've got one in my backyard. (laughs) He's probably got three. But we'll go over some of these unusual trees. good, good. And then, you know, I wrote down, uh, I don't know what got me thinking about this, some of the things that gardeners are doing and we shouldn't do. You know, mm. some of the common mistakes that we make. You mean like the myths that... No, it's not in really oh, myths. Just, it's just these are sure enough some things that we mm, do wrong. Right. Okay? What? We? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're so good to telling y'all what to do. I'm going to raise my up. hand that we, me, yeah. do wrong. I, you had know? Trees, I have trees on my list too, so I'm, I'm looking forward to more trees that you're going to talk about. Yep. So, and, and then uh, let me say this real quick, because this is a big time problem for a lot of people. You know how if we have ground covers, let's say dwarf mondo, for example, and we start getting, you know, weeds and grasses in it, you know, the old fashioned way was to go out there, get on your hands and knees, hand dig 
um, you know, constantly. I mean, it was a constant battle. Uh, I'll go in there and spot treat with Roundup, which kills anything it touches, including the ground covers. Well, we all know, we've talked about them. There are chemicals that you can spray in there now, image, you know, to kill some broadleaf weeds maybe and over the top to kill some of the grassy weeds. But you don't see zoysia on any of those. I had a guy in the garden center yesterday, and he said, I've got zoysia infesting my dwarf Mondo. Uh, he said, Ken, do you know if there's a product that I can spray in there that would kill the zoysia and not hurt the Mondo? And I was like, mm, nope, you're out of luck. You know, if it was Bermuda, that's one thing. If it was crabgrass, not a problem. But zoysia is just one of those beautiful turf-type grasses. Once it gets inside these ground covers like Dwarf Mondo in this case. You know, over the top is, I've never seen zoysia listed on over the top, Jim. Well, it's not listed. It will metabolize it and get out of it. But if you continue to spray it, I mean, it will yellow it just, you know, about the same time your Bermuda would die. But it will sit there and just yellow and metabolize it and come out of it and start growing again. But if you use it repeatedly... You I think you it. can get in there and... Mm-hmm. No, it is not labeled that way. Okay. Uh, but that's all I care about. Yeah. In fact, it has a label for spraying over zoysia to take the Bermuda out of it, you know, where people get mixed lawns like uh, that. But it... Um, if you it stay is, it's, with it's it, you can difficult. weaken it enough mm-hmm. maybe to where... It can't metabolize anymore. Right. It so, grew itself to death. But, you know, I would get in the habit of cutting a trench on each side of your... Yeah. Oh, we, uh, side. absolutely. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah, trying to keep that zoysia from getting in there to start with. Right. But he said it, it was just too much. He can't dig it. Well, you can dig it out, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. it's easier than Bermuda, but not fun. And then you get in there with some Roundup or something like Roundup. You know, you're going to wind up, eventually, invariably, you're mm-hmm. going to kill some of your, your good stuff. So, all right, well, good to know. So if you just stay with it, at least you can maybe knock it back and mm-hmm. make it unhealthy, where it's yeah. not just taken yeah. over. Yeah, it eventually can't make enough food that it will go, but, you know, it, it may take a season. And that's over the top, or the high yield grass killer, or the not grass fus- be gone. Well, not not the grass be gone. Fusilade doesn't seem to to do it. Okay. just use the the post or mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> over the top. Good to know because I knew I'd never ever seen zoysia on the label, and it made me think. You know, why would it kill all these other grasses, but not and not zoysia grass? Yeah. I mean, what what's the deal there? All but right. Not that I know, not that it matters, it's just I know it's not on the label. So, All right, y'all, we're going to take a break. You can call us, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You can call... 901-260-5926. You can leave a question with Philip, or you can be on air. Yeah, you can. Well, you can also go to the Monday 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text uh, anytime you want. We'll be glad to answer it for you. And if you happen to miss all of this, and I've had a lot of people vade them, Jim, and y'all know this just as much as I do. They'll come in and tell me they love listening to the podcast. I had a lady in yesterday mm-hmm. telling me she was going yeah. back and listening to some of the old podcasts, and she was she was raving about mm-hmm. it. Not because it's us doing it, because right. but she has the ability to go back and listen to it. Awesome. I found uh, uh, some tapes from like our first shows in the 2000s or something on the CD, 2000, early. Yeah. 
On CD. No, not CDs. Cassette tape. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to play these back, but I don't have a cassette player. <laughs> no, you do not. I can't get it to come up on my phone. <laughs> and then, the, what, the DVR players? You can't yeah. get, you know, we... <laughs> Those things are useless. You I know? still have a stack of electronic equipment, you know, in mm-hmm. my bedroom. Sits just... on top of the turntable, and under it is a combination VCR and DVD player. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Under... I got rid of one not long ago when I was cleaning out the attic. Yeah, yeah. and then under that is a dual cassette player, mm-hmm. and nice. then there's the receiver <laughs> under that. So you had the setup. I have the setup. Remember when that was the thing? I have have. (laughs) two speakers that are, you know, like four feet tall, then Mm -hmm. two that are about three feet tall, then two that are two feet tall. Oh, yeah. And now you can get one that's six inches tall. Disco ball. Uh It's crazy. And now you can get the same sound out of a little box. I know. (laughs) That is just incredible. We can carry our whole household around on our phone. Well, but your whole office, your filing cabinets. Your music, mm. your everything right there. Well, but everything changes. I mean, even the chemicals that we use in our gardens every day. You know, back in the day, you know, and I dare say this, you know, there was the old Lindane. I'm not saying these weren't, they were great products. They were great products. Uh, Lindane, you know, uh, Saigon, uh, Durzban, Diazanon, uh, you know, the Isotox, those kind of products. But you can't find those products anymore. They're they're gone. MSMA. I mean, it's, it's not available to us, you know, the homeowners. So... But change is good because the products that they replace them with, supposedly, are much safer to use. Uh, they don't stay in the soil, Jim, like chloridane, near as long as some of these other products do. So, you know, I, th- I think it's, change can be really good, uh, especially when it comes to some of these harsh chemicals, y'all, mm-hmm. that we used to use. And let's face it, these chemicals were pretty tough. Yeah, you yeah know? they were. I, mean, I, I know they used to use... Lindane in the military on for head lice yeah. from mm-hmm. long time ago. Not now, but yeah, Lindane was used well, for that. I think that. it still has its prescription use. Wow, see? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so things, it's just different doses, how you use things, and yes. it's like, it's, what, yeah. It's a great sheep dip. You could use it on dogs for fleas and ticks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Of course, it, it was, was great for uh, dog on it. Hens and one. hens and chicks. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? But it y'all? was good. It was a great uh, con- for board control. You know, we used to spread oh, on cherry right. trees that's and, and dogwoods. Yeah, my we used to. benzene hexachloride. That's where it was. Mm-hmm. See, there he goes. Yeah, who's a benzene? <laughs> He's talking to you, Veda. <laughs> I thought so. Well, you're a hexachloride but, then. But you know the the permethrins that we use now yeah. kind of took the place of the you know the diazonons of the world. Uh, the spinosids that are out there, the spinosid soaps that are out I mean, so the products, honestly, and, and you know, in the Zetasiflurian gym and the, you know, the Lambosiflurians or Psychoflurians, I mean, they're, they're, they do the same thing, but they are much, much, much safer to use, not only for us, but also for the environment. So for the bugs, too. Yeah. What's that? The bugs <laughs> for too. the bugs too. <laughs> you know, I told um, I told you all the story. Go ahead, Fate. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just kind of changing the subject, but I'd seen a really cool information on how in Maui, the one of the oldest banyan trees. Uh, well, of course they all. Everything's burned. Sat under it several times. Have you? Yes, man. Well, they're working on saving it because as they dug down, they still see. Some of the main root hairs and roots alive. So they're doing, they're going around and aerating it, root stimulators, compost, things like that to try to save the, the banyan trees. But 
they were I've out forgotten there. how many acres that thing covers but yeah. Lahaina was a was a whaling village mm-hmm. and it's I think the name translate translates something like you know the hottest place on earth Wow. Because it almost never rains in Lahaina. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you and then can on the other side of the island, you know, no, it's flooding. you can turn around and look up yeah. uh, and see the wettest spot on Earth. Oh, crazy. wow. So, that is amazing. I would definitely be having two homes. Well, what is y'all's <laughs> One in the dry and one in the wet. Yeah. <laughs> what is y'all's thoughts on the cryptomeria? You know, uh, had oh, a, the, big, reason the, the reason I'm bringing this up, the cryptomerias took a beating, we know, this past mm-hmm. winter. And I love these trees, but every cryptomeria that I've seen is dead toast. I mean, I don't, I don't see any green whatsoever, but I've had a lot of people come into the garden center and tell me, Jim and Veda, they're seeing some green on their cryptomeria. Now, I haven't seen any, yeah. but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm sure they have, but I guess still the question is, is there any way in the world these things are going to come back? Or come back looking proper. Yeah. I think and then if it did, back. how long would it take? Yeah. I have, there's one, oh, I, forget, I haven't looked lately, but I saw a big bunch of green on it. And it's really? not a vine growing in it, I mm-hmm. think, but just driving down the road. But I don't know what the rest of the tree looks like, but there's just a patch of green. Yeah, yeah I've seen some where they have sections of them that look okay. Mm. Um, but the bulk of the tree is bad. And, yeah. and those may stay there for years and years and years and just look awful. Right, yeah. right. But the vast majority of them, like you're talking about, that you may be even sprouting just a little green here and there. I don't think they're going to hang on very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They Maybe. just don't have enough energy. They just to... They're going to eventually deplete all the carbs mm-hmm. in, their, in the roots and the stems. And I just don't think they're going to be able to make enough food to yeah. maintain themselves. Mm-hmm. So over the next two, possibly even three years, they're going to go backwards, I think. Well, and and, and that's Even what further. that's what I think too, Jim. But when the people that do see this little bit of green, they're like, "This thing is still yeah. alive," you I know? Mean, yeah, yeah. Like everything else out there, you know, the osmanthus and all the other stuff that got burned to the ground. You know, we we're starting to see growth at the bottom. We have for the whole growing season. You know, a lot of the top is gone. But in their mind, they're like, "Okay, these trees are coming back." Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. Right. Hang on. And I'm so glad to see uh, finally the maintenance people are beginning to catch up a little bit. So I'm, or they're finally past the point of, yeah, let's go ahead and take it down or prune it. But I'm really enjoying seeing a lot of this dead cut off and the new growth coming out and some of the dead things being removed because. You know, there was so much to do that companies couldn't get to it in time. Oh, there's so much to do. Homeowners couldn't get to it in time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was one of these. I've never, ever, ever, well, of course, none of us, I don't think, have gone through a winter like we did, Mm -hmm. where where the the amount of damage that was done out there, Jim, in our landscapes. And, you know, mostly the, you know, the evergreens, they were the most susceptible. But there again, and like y'all have both said, we can't go from 60 degrees to zero degrees overnight and not expect to see that kind of damage. We just can't, you know. Not if we don't get some cold temperature first. Right, so, yeah. And these, these plants yeah. were not acclimated whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the good thing, and, I, you know, I, I keep saying this, the really good thing about all of this, if there's a good thing, is most of the stuff is coming back close to the ground. Yeah. You know, so with patience, y'all, right. we'll have, you know, our osmanthus back and our hollies back and all the other stuff in between, even camellias and some of those things. 
Now, sure, there was some dead stuff out there. This never going to come back. Right. But. Hey, Jim, the holly that Carol pruned, she pruned it up real good. Remember early on where she took all the oh, dead yeah. out? Right. How's it doing? Oh, it's gorgeous. It flushed out everything. Flushed out nice. I'm letting the tips grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really needs to have a whole lot of tips knocked out so it thickens up on the inside. Yeah. And this is a holly, gem that was on y'all's property? This is an Oakland, okay. yeah, Oak, or Oakleaf holly. And... Um, in fact, I've got a picture of it I'll show you here in a few minutes. It's um, it's come out really nice, and next spring I'm going to knock the tips out mm-hmm. of it to force it to thicken up on yeah. the inside. But right now, from a distance, it looks just mm-hmm. almost like it did last year. And how did it look like back in February? It had zero foliage. None. On. None. Hmm. And so she went, Carol went in and pruned the really dead out, mm-hmm. cleaned it up. I was wondering how that recovered because I have seen a row of hollies where they did that, but now it's just one big thick trunk with just little leaves yeah, coming off. Yeah, some people trunk. I've heard have not gotten a lot of regrowth mm-hmm. out of them after pruning yeah. them. But this one, um, and it could be just where this one's located, but it's come out really nice. Or it could just be because Carol pruned it. That's right. <laughs> it's white. Yeah. And I've seen most of them where, you know, the hollies did take a beating and people did go in there and really just clean them up. And, but, and most of them are slowly coming back out. Uh, there's a couple across the street from us at a bank in a uh, commercial setting over there. And they look dead. Like Jim was saying, they didn't have a leaf on them back in February, even March. And they went in there and sheared them back, cleaned them up. And they're still not out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are seeing more green growth than I have. I'm seeing it than I have the whole year. So well, there again, happy there's with, hope. I was happy when they were cleaning and took out the knockouts. <laughs> Boy, because they were messed up. All right, y'all. We're going to go to a break. 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Miss South Gardening. You can post a question on Facebook Live. You can call and Philip can put a question up on the board, or you can be on air, 901-260-5926. That's it, 901-260-5926. It's that easy. Or like I said, shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And, of course, uh, streaming live all the time, KWM Radio uh, or the Mighty990.com. Uh, and you can, you know, anytime during the weeks and join our group if you're not a member and post a question, and somebody will answer it really That's quick. Right. I know we've talked about this before, guys. I had a, a gentleman in the garden center a day before yesterday, and he's got he had yellow jackets, uh, which are the little almost like little looks like a honeybee almost. Mm-hmm. But these are the little boogers that live in the ground, and they don't like you getting around their little opening, you know, where they come in and out of the ground. I'm there, very familiar, very yeah, familiar we all with are, those. Because <laughs> they would get you. I'm telling you. And his question was, you know, what's the best way to get rid of these yellow jackets that are in the ground? And, you know, what what I've done before, uh, and I had some, I've told you all this before, at the corner of my house, and I really don't care about them being there. But with the kids being around, that's when the kids were younger. You know, I, I knew for a fact that they were going to go around there at some point and get stung, right? Right. So... What I did, I, I just kind of watched where the uh, yellow jackets were going in and out of the hole. So I located the hole. That's what I wanted yeah. to do during the day at a distance where I didn't get stung. <laughs> Went out there late, late in the day, uh, almost at, well, at dusk, at night, uh, with a flashlight. And I had a can of that hornet wasp spray. Mm-hmm. And I shot it just 
I feel that hole up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, and, and that, that did the trick. Mm-hmm. And I know people have used gasoline, which I would never recommend. Yeah. I know it would kill them, but we surely wouldn't recommend that. And I know people, especially in, live out in the country, still do it. Mm-hmm. But just get a can of that Hornet wasp spray. Go out there, find, you know, of course, locate the hole. And if you just fill that hole up um, with that stuff, you, you'll kill them. So that's what I told him to do. And, but I'm telling you, going out there late in the day at night, Jim, with a yeah. flashlight, Veda, uh, they're all in the hole. They're not aggressive then or as aggressive as they are during the day. Uh, but he had never had them in his, um, in his property before. Mm. So keep surprise, that in mind. Surprise, surprise, Yeah. yeah. What I'd like to do is. If, is and Jerry, hang on for a second. Get a, um, get a piece of screen about three by three, make a dome out of it mm. and go out there about midnight and put it over it. Put bricks around it to hold it down. Next morning, you'll have all those bees up under the screen yeah. coming out, and then take the hornet moth killer to them. Look at you! <laughs> now, so you're taking more risk than I would have taken. Yeah, I want to see those suckers die. Right, so that would have been hard for cool. me if I. Then I would just set them free. <laughs> so I, I guess if I'm going to have to do it, I'm going to have to shoot it down in the hole like you were talking about. But that you sure is ingenious. <laughs> I like that idea. And I'm sure they serve some purpose. And like, don't get me wrong. And, I, and there again, I wouldn't have even, I would have left them alone, but it's where they were on the, on the property. And they were right there by the corner of the house. And like I said, that's when I had my, my kids were younger and I knew mm-hmm. couldn't have that. So if you've got a yellow jacket problem, you see these things coming up and down. Uh, out of the ground, and they're in a place where you just can't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hornet Wasp Spray does a really good job. And like I said, go out there at night, though, with a flashlight. You'll get them. Right. Yeah, you do need <clears throat> to. I remember running across the pasture as fast as you I, and I could. Both. Right, and there was an indention where a tree used to be, so I just had to run down it, back mm-hmm. up it, and then the next thing you know. There, you got about 20 of them following you. And I was like, I'm th- I, could, I was like three or four, and I can remember as I'm being stung, mm-hmm. thinking, grandmother told me not to run in there. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they tell me the whole reason? <laughs> then you wouldn't have. Right. Just tell me the whole reason. That's all I want to know. Otherwise, I'm going to try it because I want to know just how hard it's mm-hmm. going to sting. Hard-headed. We'll see. And did we? Uh, did you guys read the thing about the yellow-legged hornet? Yeah. No, I didn't get all the way through it. Okay. This is the first time it's been found in the U.S. It was found in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, this sucker, you know, feeds on honeybees and all kinds mm-hmm. of things. So it's going, uh, it's a serious. Well, we're going to talk more about that, Jim. I did see an article about I that last night. I didn't. Well, here we go again. All right, Jerry, thanks for the call. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Morning. Hey, morning, Jerry. Morning. Good morning <laughs> to you, buddy. My little, my little favorite place. Thank you. But, uh, I talked to Ken the other day about something I saw on Facebook. Yeah. Uh pyrethium we know that's chemical yes i went down to quality supply i had a video of what i saw mm-hmm. and they said it was cone flowers and chrysanthemums chrysanthemums you're mm-hmm. right that's yeah. where the pyrethrin comes from yes yeah and whatever a cone flower is mm, yeah but I i've never heard, heard of pyrethrin coming from cone flower no which or is even, echinacea yeah because cone flowers are really pretty native uh, plant that comes in all kinds of colors. It's a nice flower, perennial. Would Jim? Jim? What? What? No, no. It's a certain yeah. type of uh, pyrethrum daisy that they that it's yeah collected from. So. So but, but, now, chrysanthemums is that a seed or a just perennial uh, you buy? Well, you can. Mm-hmm. I've seen the pyrethrum 
when chrysanthemum daisies, but yeah. they're chrysanthemums in some seed packets occasionally. But they're not just spectacular. Most people want what we consider chrysanthemums that have large flowers and lots of them. So, and you can buy those plants in the fall here pretty soon. Yeah, but not coneflower. It yeah. just must have been mistaken for but, a moment. But Jerry, <laughs> like you said, you know, the pyrethrin is the organic product uh, that's a really good broad-spectrum insecticide. But what we did, or we say we, the chemists did, they went out and um, made a synthetic pyrethrin called permethrin. And that's what you see a lot of people. You see more permethrin being used than anything else now. And all it is is a man-made pyrethrin is what it is. Um, very safe to use. Uh, you, we, we use it just like we did Malathons, Dasnons, and all these other products. But both of those products, the organic pyrethrin and the synthetic permethrin, two really good products. And like you said, they're also really, really good for mosquitoes. Yeah, and uh, and also now that because it's natural doesn't mean it's safe. Okay, a lethal dose per gram of body weight on pyr- on pyrethrin no, is about half of what it is for malathion. So you know it's um, it's just use it according to label directions, and it's it's a good product. But you know don't drink it or anything. <laughs> I just saw that. I thought I'd do some checking. Yeah, well, that's good. I appreciate you calling us to to check it out. I think a sausage egg cheese biscuit ought to be real good. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you're killing me. <laughs> you have a With great day. Strawberry preserves. Oh, Lord, mm, you are killing that's me. That's what I like. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, take care. Thanks, we'll see Jerry. you later. Thanks, Thank Jerry. You. Thanks Thank you, buddy. But my mosquitoes, uh, in fact, the... Mosquito and gnat barrier uh, that lasts up mm-hmm. to four weeks. It is a permethrin, so all it is, which is a synthetic pyrethroid. But like Jim's saying, just because it says organic on there, which pyrethrins is, great product, mm-hmm. you still got to read the label and understand mm-hmm. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you want to treat all these things right. with caution. Yep, because like like we say, there is natural things, <clears throat> but it all depends on what percentage they are and like the neem oil, it could be toxic if you use a yeah, lot, but you can still use it in makeup, but it's a different compound. program I caught last night, it was just a little short thing, uh, and it's uh, the Deadly Garden. It's yeah. A, it's a garden in England that nice. has the some of the most toxic plants in the mm-hmm. world. You know, one of them, and I've forgotten the name of it now, that if you stand under it and water from rain yeah. drips on you, People have committed suicide because mm-hmm. the pain is so intense. You've got to be kidding me. No, this thing, you know, and they have it in a case where you can't get to it. Um, but everything in this garden is poisonous. Uh, and is it, so it, was, it was really interesting. Amazing. Yeah, I had that book, The Wicked Plants. Yeah. yeah. But that tree or whatever you were talking about was definitely not in there. So that, I mean, wow, do you see some human discovered, well, maybe an animal Possibly, but everything's got to be discovered by an animal or a human. So can you imagine being then, under the tree? No. you would, That's where um, those rumors come around of witchcraft, oh, yeah. aliens. Oh, yeah. Because it's beyond your understanding why you stood under a tree and that happened. Yeah, no doubt. So mm-hmm. That's intense. So, uh, you know, what I, I have been reading and following is how in... Say in Maui, it used to be a real farming agricultural land of sugarcane, pineapples, and things like that. 
So when the industry started declining, the land had to be used for something. So they introduced some non-native grasses Mm -hmm. and they turned evasive, of course. So they cover cover every single spot there is to cover. And so the... The consensus is, is the fire would not have been so devastating. But if it hadn't been for these grasses. For these non-native evasive grace, grasses. Well, you, and that was really interesting. I was like, well, you know, there's a, because I, I still think we want need to do a lot more natives. But at the same time, is a cherry tree native here? No. How can I not have a cherry tree in my exactly. yard? You know, yeah. so I'm going to have to have some stuff, but like. That is very interesting to think about how the because somebody brought the grasses here or to to Maui. This is a nice ornamental grass, but in Maui it just became like our kudzu, just mm-hmm. became evasive, and then it was and then it got really drought and conditions. So I mean, the conditions dry, were right, and, and then the just, winds were howling. So yeah, howling, <laughs> yeah. But it's like yeah, I mean, mm, there's going to be non-native plants everywhere we go mm-hmm. there's going to be non-native species everywhere we go this wasp that jim was talking about a while ago jim is it a wasp or a bee it's a hornet right? it's a hornet yeah. yeah and this hornet is bad news because it is a feeder it will aggressively go after and kill our good bees mm-hmm. our what, honey bees and so forth and our natives. bee that came in that was doing that the killer bee yeah well, you you've got that huge one that's out in the northwest yeah, that one, that right could, and that, yeah. it, that goes into the hives mm-hmm. and destroys them it pulls um, their heads off the bees and what does this off. one do this this one? one makes a nest up in a tree like our traditional hornet now mm-hmm. it's not as big it's about half the size as the killer hornet the regular hornets we oh. have here but they're extremely aggressive from what i've heard so they, that could be bad news for us or bad news for the other yes. hornets out there yes oh good lord <laughs> so both yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, have yeah. to. The plant I was talking about a little while ago is called Dendrosundinatum. And what does that plant Common do? Common name is suicide plant, stinging tree, stinging bush. Uh, it, um, according to this, <laughs> let's see here, uh, is notorious for the extremely painful sting that may leave victims suffering for weeks or even months. Ooh, ooh. It's reported to be the most venomous plant in Australia, if not the world. After contact with the plant, the victim will feel an immediate severe burning and stinging at the site of contact, which then intensifies over the next 30, 20 oh, to 30 minutes and will last from hours to several days before subsiding. During this time, the victim may get little sleep because of the intensity of the pain in severe cases. It uh, causes limp glands to swell and uh, there's another thing I read where it says, what? Okay, here, I got stung. He said for two or three days, the, the pain was almost unbearable. What you want to think that everybody that lives in Australia knows not what that, that thing looks like. Stand under yeah. that tree All right, well, let's think about that for a while while we go on break. <laughs> Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Do y'all know why cows don't have feet? <laughs> what cows is this? don't have feet? Right. Do you know why they don't have feet? No, this oh, is a joke. Because they lack toes. Because <laughs> they're lactose, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> See what happens when you give her just a 30-second break? That's right. I had to get that in there before y'all started Good talking. Lord Jim, almighty. are you going to recover for that one? Probably not. <laughs> um, we've talked about this quite often this year, and this is the year for powdery mildew. Um, had a lady come in to the garden center yesterday, and Jim, as you said, and, and if you read about it, powdery mildew doesn't have to have water, doesn't have to have moisture like a lot of these other fungal problems do. You know, they need water to be to the catalyst. But she came in, she said, my uh, dogwood, uh, it's got this kind of white, filmy, cloudy, almost like mildew. And I went, perfect. It is powdery mildew. She's like, oh, okay. So, um, But she said, you know, why? Why now? It's been so hot and dry. But powdery mildew, you can just have a high humidity uh, and you'll get powdery mildew or you can get powdery mildew. But the conditions must have been just right this year, Baden Jim, and, and the weather must be conducive because, I mean, I'm talking about from spring until now, I've had more complaints about powdery mildew being on, in this case, dogwoods than I think I ever have. Well, have you ever seen it in the 60s at night in August? I know. I mean, this this morning, you know, mm-hmm. it was extremely heavy too, mm-hmm. you know, so that just... Uh, Makes, so the moisture's yeah, out there, yeah. Right, you know, there's yeah. plenty of moisture, even for even though it may not need it. Right. So we probably wouldn't have the powdery mildew issues now if we weren't having our unseasonably cool weather. Well, but I'll take it. I'll take the mildew mm-hmm. also Same, along with the cool yeah. weather. But like I told her, I said, I mean, ideally get out there and, and spray a fungicide, any fungicide that has mildew on the label. Uh, I'm spraying the morning or the afternoon, of course, not during the heat of the day. Come back 10 days, two weeks. And spray it again. But my whole point was, if and I told her this, you know, the leaves that have been infected, a lot of times they're going to just turn brown and fall off prematurely. I don't care how much you spray. You're spraying really to prevent further infestation. But I was just kind of scratching my head like, man, I just don't recall ever having so many people come in and complain about powdery mildew, especially on dogwoods, especially in August around here. But uh, I'm bringing this up because if you do have dogwoods and you have some defoliation going on, go out there and take a look at that leaf and see if you see just this little white film, just a mildew growing on there. And like I said, if that is the case, spraying a fungicide a couple times, you'll get rid of it. And even if you didn't spray, you know, it's not going to kill the dogwood, but right. you still don't want it to defoliate prematurely. You don't want to weaken the dogwood mm, for, for any now. reason. Yeah, exactly. So... Get out there and spray if you if you do have powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. Systemic fungicides. Most of the fungicides on the market are going to have mildew on the label. Not all of them, but most of them do. Um, but give them a good spray in 10 days, two weeks later, come back and do it again. But just be on the lookout for that dang mildew because it's been bad this year. Really bad. Fine, then. I know. A, <laughs> it's funny to have it now. So, yeah, like getting losing the foliage on your plants, you know, they'll recover but now as we progressively get closer to fall and all, then sometimes they'll lose their leaves but can't recover enough to store more energy through the winter time well, to flush back out. That's why it's never good to have premature defoliation. Like you said, Veda, every time every day that leaf is on that tree, you know, it's uh collecting sunlight is, you know, through photosynthesis, it's making, you know, the food for for itself. And all of a sudden, you know, if you deplete that process or if you can cut it in half, I mean, the whatever it is can suffer. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I know it wouldn't directly kill it. I get that. 
but you still want to keep these things as healthy mm-hmm. as you possibly can. And not only this time of year, but really any time of yeah. year. I love dogwoods. So and many the, varieties of dogwoods. Now those full sun dogwoods don't have any powdery mildew, do they? The coosas? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. You know, Is they, there the sun's just there most of the time to burn off the... Up inside of them, so. though, you might be surprised. Mm. But all the I don't ones, be. yeah, all the <laughs> ones that um, that I've talked to the people. I mean, these are just the old fashioned Floridian dogwood that are in high shade, or some of them might even be in too much shade. I get that, but um, check out, you know, be on the lookout for that powdery mildew. And another thing, are is the black spot on roses. I was talking to a rosarian. Mm-hmm. I told you all this uh, not long ago, and they said they were having the hardest time keeping black spot under control on roses this year uh and there again it's all weather related i mean it is but if you've got some roses out there and you've got that nasty black spot uh it causes the same thing it causes a lot of uh, defoliation those leaves just start falling off of there but i like i tell people is you know get the leaves up off the ground clean it up as best you can even go in there if, if it's feasible and pick off as many infected leaves as you can and then, of course, start spraying accordingly. And it seems like this year we're spraying just to, to keep the black spot just under control, not eliminated. Yeah. And and whether you're buying product off the shelf, and this is a rosarian that's using some high-power stuff, y'all, still can't completely get rid of this black spot this year. No, that's difficult. Uh, we have a couple of drift roses planted and the awesome thing about those type of roses is they look beautiful right now. No black spot, no problems. But you don't get your regular look of a rose, but it's more of a native little shrubby rose. Well, that's why so many people are going to these shrub roses. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the drift roses, the knockout roses, and everything in between is because they're more black spot resistant. Yeah. And they're, it's almost they don't get, I'm not saying they don't. Mm-hmm. They're just much less prone to getting black spot as the old-fashioned hybrid teas and grandiflores and, you I know, like for abundance. I like that orange rose. Just Joey, maybe, is the yeah, name. Yeah, pretty orange. Yeah, and I always see it with the most beautiful foliage, and it never has any issues. But that one is a gorgeous rose. I just see it randomly planted in various places. I uh, had one at the garden center that we kept for a while. <clears throat> Somebody just had to buy it, but this was years back. And it just seems to be fantastic. So sometimes just pull the rose up and don't ever plant it again. But shrub roses are pretty dang easy to grow around here. Like I said, they're not a beautiful cutting rose, Veda, but they're easy. Yeah, they are. They add color. All right, y'all, hang on. We'll be back for two more hours. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. Jim, the light's behind you. Don't let the light fall. <laughs> okay. We got all kinds of equipment in here. Jim. I know, I'm afraid to scoot back. We've got all this because Todd Starnes, who owns the station and does radio, does he's on Newsmax or something now? I don't know what. But anyway, there's all these monitors and things in here, so it makes it uh, more. I used to have a place for my chair, but no. Yeah, you don't have a place for your chair. And I'm afraid to just. There's about four miles of wire down here (laughs) under my chair. I'm already rolled up in my. Wait a minute. Y'all are too funny. under my chair. 
Hang on. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, you can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim, you've got a pretty neat Facebook page, you know? I know. Huh? <laughs> How would you know? Do you ever go there? <laughs> And I every time him. I open I my phone, told I, I've told Jimmy's taking it over. Every time I open my phone, there it is. And I, I'm mm-hmm. like you, Vade. I see some great posts on there, some really good questions, and even more so, some great answers. But Jim, that is Mid South Gardening Zone six seven eight. Yeah, gardening and USDA Zone six seven and eight. <laughs> Took us a number of years, it but we got it now. And it has a you know it has a uh, search engine on it too, so you can hit that and go back and see articles that I've written and and post from lots of other people. Just Put a topic in there and search it, and it'll bring it up. So there's a yeah, – plus we have, all, of course, the file section, which is really cool. So anyway, um, if you're not a member, you should join. We are about 70 members away from 10,000. Well, it, just, it goes to show you – and I know not every one of those people, Jim, are here in the Mid-South. Most of them are, I'm assuming. It, the bulk of them are, yeah. but we have them all over the country and a few outside the country. But, I mean – Gardening is is a passion here in the Mid South. I'm telling you, even as hard as it is to grow anything around here, as Mr. Paul used to say, it's the black hole of horticulture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we try our best, you know. And it there are always things that are going to go wrong, and there are always things that people have gone through. They've they've made the mistakes that we just haven't made yet. Mm-hmm. So if you can get on the Facebook page and post a question or a picture, and people go, "Yep, that's what, I've done that right. wrong before," right, so you right. get the answers, and that's the beauty of it. <laughs> Yesterday was helping a lady at the garden center, you know, work on getting her plants doing good and all. And she said, well, how do you know this? I'm just not a good gardener. I just don't know that. And I go, I know this because I did what you did and messed up. Several times for me. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So I can tell you. Or, (laughs) you know, I've talked, you're hanging around gardeners and all. Gardeners love to share their success as well as their failures because when they're sharing their failures, it's teaching someone else success. There's, there's no doubt about it. The only time they really don't share their secrets, I think, when ah, it comes to go. tomato growing, but mm-hmm. that's a whole other story. Yeah, I can see that. Just not quite given the little secret that you do. And sometimes it's the process that you, you can use. Well, like a cook, you can use the same ingredients. Oh, yeah. Each of you can. But there's something about if you mix the seasonings first, it's going to take di- taste different than if you season it individually. It's like you said, they you just know? the process involved yeah, right. also. So it's those little secrets, and that's what helps make things good. All right, some unique trees for our area. And what brought this up, remember I told you this gentleman has a couple trees that were taken down. And... Instead of going back in there and just replacing it with, uh, you know, just another oak tree. And, mm-hmm. and he loves oaks, and we all do. I mean, yeah. look around town, right? Right. Um, but he was thinking about maybe some trees that are just not the same, just run-of-the-mill tree. And I wrote a few down last night, and I want you to get y'all's opinion. To get that pun, run-of-the-mill. Yeah, got it? <laughs> like but I want to get y'all's opinion. Uh, and, and this one I, I love. We've sell it every year, and it's, it is a great uh, kind of a mid-sized little ornamental tree, and that's the Chinese fringe tree. Mm, I love that. You know, that's actually considered native. Yeah, well, or the native. No, an American fringe tree. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Either Thank one. You. Thank you. So chi- okay. Trinanthus retusa is the Chinese. Mm-hmm. The foliage is more round. It's uh, shiny. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a more attractive-looking tree than the American. 
Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, the Chinese would be a clue that it's not native. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go with the American French tree. Is, but this, you know, native. they get yeah. about 20 foot tall, about 20 foot wide. They're almost like a big bush, you know. Uh, but they are trees. I mean, they got a single trunk that mm-hmm. comes up. But, man, when those things bloom in the spring, uh, those those white blooms on them is absolutely drop dead beautiful the american one is commonly called grancy graybeard yeah yep yeah that i love it so what do y'all think about the the fringe trees i it's, love it's love good plant. Them. yeah mm-hmm. I, I like it yeah, uh, so that's one that's one that people need to keep in mind and also and not only somewhat unusual i think it's very underplanted. Mm-hmm. uh to be honest with you i mean mm-hmm. even in uh, beds where you don't have a ton of room but you still want an ornamental type tree, uh, or even a you know like a little side yard or a courtyard or a zero lot line type yard. Uh, these fringe trees are, are perfect spots for all of those, and really really beautiful trees. Even when they're not blooming, they're pretty. Uh, of course, the in this you know the sweet bay magnolia, uh, I, you know they're saying that, I don't to me that's not an unusual tree, which it was right, listed in the, the unusual tree list. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different sweet bay magnolias, and that's another one of those where it's a great, usually multi-stemmed, yeah. uh, you know, semi-evergreen tree. Semi-foliage. Uh, <laughs> it always seems like they're a little thin. Beautiful blooms, though. Um, very fragrant mm-hmm. blooms. Uh, I mean, I love but them. But beautiful. Fast-growing. And some of them can reach up to 25 feet, Jim. Yeah, the species is here, depending on the winter, either evergreen mm-hmm. or not. Right, you right, know, yeah. Where if you buy the subspecies um, Magnolia virginiana australis, that one is almost always evergreen. Mine went through last winter, didn't lose a leaf on it. So um, if you're going to get one, I would get australis. So it, like you said, it just depends on yeah. which one you get, Jim. Right. But they, they, the attributes of them are really nice. I mean, fast-growing, white blooms, Wonderful fragrance, beautiful foliage. The underside of the foliage is silvery, too, so it looks really neat in the wind when those leaves are blowing. All right, so yeah. so far the Chinese fringe tree y'all agree with and well, the Pam sweet bay. Pam Green sent a picture of her Chinese fringe tree in her yeah. backyard. There you American, go. American fringe tree, sorry. But either yeah, one, they're both beautiful, beautiful yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the Persian ironwood? Oh, I love ironwood. Um, you know, that's another one, one of the... Prettiest fall foliage yeah, trees you can yes, plant. Well, y'all yes. are reading my mind. It gets about 20 foot tall, about 20 foot wide. Great fall color, they say. We hardly I mean, ever plant that, I, and I've always wondered great why. Great fall color. Well, usually by like five, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the season, we close out four. Wow, you know? I know. It's so know. bizarre. Well, it's one of those that people never, yeah. ever think mm-hmm. about. But yeah, the fall color is incredible. And it's if a you very, want something that's not going to break, that's the one. <laughs> And it's a very underplanted yeah. uh-huh. tree, and it does fine right here. So the Persian ironwood, about 20 foot tall, 20 foot wide, like Jim was just saying, invade a great, great, beautiful mm-hmm. fall color. But also it's the dang bark. Uh, the bark, <laughs> uh, it will exfoliate the dang bark, the dang bark but it, it has beautiful designs, you know, like some of our crepe mm-hmm. myrtles do. Yeah. Uh, so the bark is absolutely beautiful. And, of course, the, you know, the real thin, thick, green, shiny leaves. So... It's just, I mean, I would never, ever think mm-hmm. about planting a Persian ironwood if I wanted yeah. to plant a tree in my landscape. I just would never think Since about I it. I love it so much, I think about it, but I never recommend it because hardly anyone sells it because for some reason, no one bought it at no. first. But, you know, 
if proven winners or somebody started advertising it all over their well, yeah. magazines, then everybody would be dying to get it. I know it. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's three. So the top three. Uh, well, I'm not saying the top three. That's mm-hmm. three so far that we've gone through, and I've got four or five more to go yeah. through. But you're saying the Chinese fringe tree so far, the sweet bay magnolias. Mm-hmm. Jim, you like the australis better than the other ones. Uh, for that reason, and then the Persian ironwood, so far so, so good, right, right? So far so good, yes. All right, you're going to, oh, break. Okay, <laughs> you're going to go some more. I'm ready to go. All right, let's go to a break, 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You can tell Philip your question, or you can be on air. You can also post on Facebook Live. Yeah, the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Shoot us a text anytime you want. But like Veda said, the easy way to do it, 901-260-5926. All right, Jim and Veda, we were talking about some unique trees here for the Mid-South. Um, but like I said, the gentleman had two trees come down. He wants to put some more trees up, but he wanted some just unusual mm-hmm. trees to put back in there, not just our run-of-the-mill. And there's nothing wrong with our run-of-the-mill trees. Don't get me wrong. But he just wanted something different. Chinese fringe tree, uh, the sweet bay magnolias, different ones. And then we talked about the Persian ironwood. Uh, keep those in mind. The next one, of course, is the sourwood. Yeah. Great tree. Mm-hmm. You know, and there again, it's just one of those trees that I never think of. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people don't. And, and to me, I don't remember seeing a lot of them out there in the landscape. Yeah. They are difficult to transplant. Oh, that's uh, that's okay. the one thing. And used to, the only way we would get them would be bald and burlap. Mm-hmm. And they had had the roots cut off of them. And Which is not a great thing. Yeah. not perform. But now I've, I have seen a few grown in containers. Um, and I think you'll have better luck with those. But just stunning fall color. Yeah, Jim, when you read my mind, 25 uh, to 30 foot tall. This does get a little bigger than the other ones we just mentioned. Uh, beautiful summer bloomer. And, uh, Jim, it says great, great fall color. So sour wood. So y'all agree with that yeah, one. That's another one of those yeah. uh, good trees. All right, what about the Japanese, uh, stir, what is it, the? Uh, Japanese snowbell? St- no, the stewardia. Oh, stewardia. the stewardia. Yeah. Okay. Michael. Durr says that if he could only have one tree, it would be a stewardia. See, I didn't know they got big enough to be a tree. Yeah, I mean, it gets about... Small tree. I like it. Well, depending like on the it. variety. Some of them can get, get on up there pretty big. Um, I mean, even 30 foot, if you will. Cer- certain varieties. Maybe not here. Is it stewardia pseudocamellia? Oh, Jim. Heavenly. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful camellia, like white flower in the summertime. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, known for its uh, camellia-like blooms. Uh, has the, uh, you know, I mean, it looks like a camellia bloom, yeah. honestly, um, on oh. a tree now. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. So, and I don't see those yeah. available. No, so so known for its camellia-like blooms. We got some work to do here, don't great, we? Great. Well, that's I'm why I'm bringing yeah. all these up. Great, great fall color. Uh, great-looking reddish tan and gray-brown exfoliating bark. And that's another one that has beautiful bark on it. Um, Nice-looking foliage, easy to grow, definitely grows here in our zone, and has those beautiful white blooms like Jim mm-hmm. was talking about. Does need to have really good drainage. Um, but or it's it what does. doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah but I mean. So we do it like a cherry tree, yeah, dogwood like planting. Cherry. Yeah. So the Japanese sturwardia. Yeah. But it needs, you know, needs. Six to eight hours of sunlight mm-hmm. to really look good. Okay. So y'all agree with that uh, one also? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. 
great trail. Uh, and then two more guys, if you don't mind, if y'all bear with me. Uh, the Wolf Eyes uh, Coosa Dogwood. This tree gets about 15 foot tall, about 15 foot wide. has beautiful white blooms like regular dogwoods do, but this has bright green centers uh, in the bloom. And it has exfoliating bark, beautiful bark on it. Uh, variegated foliage, which is also a lot of people like the idea that oh, the variegated. variegated. I see a, a number <laughs> of them. They're beautiful. And then, of course, it has that raspberry-like fruit yeah. uh, later on that the birds love. So, if I was going to get a Kusa dogwood uh, variegated, that the wolf eyes is the one I would get. And Jim, you said you've seen them before. Yeah, we had them out of sixty-four many years ago. Um, they are because they grow slow. They're kind of pricey. Yeah, but well worth it. Yeah, you know. So they treat them like a dogwood, you know, and particularly some shade because of the variegation. Absolutely, and good drainage is a must also on those. And here's the one that I don't think that y'all have heard of. Let's see, because uh, I never heard of this. Yeah. This is called Seven Sun Flower. Heptacodium micanoides. Oh, I have, knew I, it. I have two it. in my backyard that are probably <laughs> 15 feet tall. I wrote <laughs> this thing down knowing that he had never, ever even oh, yeah. heard of this. And, just, and he's got two in his backyard. And he knows the botanical name. Yeah, God, Heptacodium <laughs> micanoides. It's a beautiful plant. When it's in bloom, the bees and hummingbirds come to that thing. You can hear it, the humming around it. Carol what? called it her butterfly tree. Oh, well, like the it. seven sunflower, which sounds like a flower, not a tree to me, but the yeah. seven mm-hmm. sunflower tree, 20 foot tall, 10 foot wide. It said this tree fits perfectly into the weird but cool category, Jim. <laughs> uh, the bark is what you uh, notice first. It has rough and peeling how do I say this? It's got rough and peeling <laughs> off and restored tape-like strips. Yes. So it's the bark, the trunk. Mm-hmm. Peels off like that. Yeah. Oh, and they say this thing is absolutely. Cool. It has a, the flower is kind of like a similar to a crepe myrtle flower, but not as full. Uh, white, very mm-hmm. fragrant. Um <laughs> Just a super, super play. He thought he's going to stump me. I, yeah, I knew. I was like, there's the no nerve way. Of and the man said he's got two of them in his backyard. Yeah. And I've never heard of uh-uh. this tree before. No. And it's called a seven sunflower. Um, so these are some of the trees that they're not as plentiful at the garden centers as, you know, a lot of the run-of-the-mill type trees. But maybe, you know, this would get people kind of stirred up. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, my I'm going with. There's so many varieties of red buds now. You know, you can have the weeping, mm-hmm. the regular size, the pink blooms, the white blooms, the, the dark blooms, the foliage is different colors like yellows and reds. They're not a huge tree. They're kind of slow growing, but they're very long lasting too. So you could have a whole different type of colorful landscape just with red I buds. I love them. But some need some part shade or seem to perform better. But I've seen the forest pansies in full sun, and they look great. Oh, me and too. And I'd heard that they couldn't take any a lot of sun, or they wouldn't be as burgundy. No, no. they need to be in the sun to oh, get burgundy. Yeah, I've seen so them I'm in like, full what? sun. Yeah, so it's just like Japanese maples. You get your best color when the the more sun mm-hmm. they get. Yeah, but there are some few drawbacks of putting the Japanese maples in full afternoon sun. That's right. I mean, they need more sun, like Jim was saying, than shade, but I still would love to tell people to protect them from the hottest part of the afternoon sun because you're going to get some burn on that foliage if you don't. Mm -hmm. But, Jim, you're just, I'm telling you, you're still just, yeah, I'm still not over what Jim, he's got two of them in his backyard, the seven sunflower tree, which I've never heard of. But red buds, you mentioned Mm -hmm. that. Anything that you, that I missed, Jim, or I shouldn't say I missed anything that comes to mind that is a kind of an unusual 
Well, tree. a couple of tr- plants that I like a lot, uh, if you're wanting something with some size that can get some shade, uh, are the um, uh, Dawn Redwood. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I you don't have, have to worry about the knees coming up on the Dawn right. Redwood, do you, like no. you do the... Uh, the cypress trees. No. Uh, shape is grows pretty. I love the shape. Straight as a needle. Yeah. I mean, it's straight up. I planted a, a golden one. Um, it's been about course. 12 years ago, I guess now, and it's 20 feet over the house uh, and just beautiful golden foliage. Now, right it does now. drop its foliage in the wintertime. needles, but there's nothing <clears throat> to rake. You know, yeah, the needles are so small. Right. But and, don't want, why don't we see more redwoods? I mean, dawn redwoods around here. It, people just don't know about them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, when I get them in, in stock, they go immediately because they're so pretty. And love them. Yeah. And the other one I have, I have a uh, a golden larch. It's a mm-hmm. false larch. Yeah. Um, What'd you call me? Yeah. They did. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, and it, it looks very similar uh, to the, the dawn redwood. Very soft foliage. Uh, drops and it, it, and it grows fine around here as long as you plant it high. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Um, uh, and I planted one. This one's been five or six years ago, and it's probably twelve feet tall now. Uh, and I'm going to try to move it to Christie's house this there you fall. Go. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to cut it way back. I'm pretty sure now, to get it moved between the larch and the uh, the red redwood's the faster grower. Okay, and it's really stunning. And of course, the regular one has green foliage. But there's one that has golden foliage that I think is just outstanding. Those are two that will get some size on them and give you some shade, which most of the ones you talked about, they're good ornamental trees. Yes. But, yes. you know, you'd have to lay on the ground to get on the shade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So your critters will like that one. Yeah. Right, yeah. What about, like, the Zelkovas and the, you know, the Japanese snowbells? And, right. You I know, love the Zelkovas. I love the Japanese snowbell. The one thing I was wondering about is, what do you really think about smoke trees, growing smoke trees here? I only see, and percentage-wise, a few that look great, and the yeah. others are hanging out. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I've, I've seen some pretty ones, especially mm-hmm. when they're, they're pluming. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I would still consider one. that a nice ornamental. <laughs> you know of one, yeah. Well, I yeah. know. I, it's really a bummer. The smoke trees are cool, but I'm not thinking I would recommend it as reliable beauty. Yeah. It when it, when it's in bloom, it's unique. Yeah. You know, that's right. Pretty, um, but I is you know they're a large, wide shrub. True. Yeah, tree. that's it. Um, and they take up a lot of space in the garden. That I think I can plant a lot more prettier. Right. Other things in. So if you have a big place, I mean, it's have you know have at it. It's a good yeah. plant. But I yeah. But for most home gardens, I think it's a little big. Yeah, that wide. may be why I see it looking bizarre because you're they're chopping it, trying to make room, trying to make it fit yeah. where it doesn't belong. Yeah, and, yeah, and Jim, yeah. what about the uh, what's the tree that's got the little the purple bloom? The further south you go, the more you see it. Polonia, Polonia, the Chinese empress tree. Yeah, Polonia. Yeah, here it's a trash tree. It is a trash. That's what I'm saying. So that's something that you'd want to stay away from. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. To me, they're very pretty when they're mm-hmm. in bloom. Yeah. Um, so I, if you have a big piece of property, yeah, I think I wouldn't mind having one. Yeah. In fact, for a while, there were some farmers here in West Tennessee growing it because the wood is bright yellow. It's stunning wood, and it's highly prized at Japan. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually, these guys in Japan are so good at picking out trees, they can go over in a helicopter and tell you which tree they want wow. from that. 
Um, and it, it's it's really stunning. But do they grow here in? Oh gosh, mm-hmm. yeah, in Shelby County. Yeah. yeah, in fact, if you go downtown, everything you see coming up in the cracks <laughs> are, are likely polonias. Have these huge leaves. In fact, they really make a cool plant because if you'll uh-huh. cut them down to the ground each year, they put these three foot wide leaves on, and they come up and they get about ten feet tall. But as the tree matures, those leaves dwarf down to get about 10 to 12 inches across. That is amazing. Oh, so if you cutting them. Right, just keep cutting them down, and you get this really cool tropical-looking yeah. thing. Okay, I love that. I know we've only got 20 seconds, but what about the, the big-leaved, is it a magnolia? What is oh, that? yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the swamp magnolia? No, it's, it is uh, it is. Uh, Magnolia Micropola, the big leaf. Mm-hmm. And that big leaf thing. And I have, a, I have the one, the, the dwarf one. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad you could be with us this morning. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, or post a question on Facebook Live. Yeah, the Mighty 990 Facebook page. You can shoot us a text there anytime you want. And Jim just handed me his phone. He took a picture of the bloom of the Seven Suns uh, tree here. Yeah, that's a post I did a while back. Okay, well, but I mean. one in my yard. But it's beautiful. I mean, but it's a picture of the one that's in your yard, Mm -hmm. so. Uh, Jim, it kind of reminds me of a white blooming grape myrtle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very right. similar. Yeah. Wow. Uh, has some fragrance to it though, and and I'm telling you, you you've not had any plant in your yard that will draw more butterflies and bees. Really? I mean, it's nothing to see a dozen swallowtails on it at one time. It's just magnificent. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good lord. All right. What do y'all? Last one, I'll, and I'll leave this alone. What do y'all think about the uh, the chase tree? Uh, love it. It's you know, it to me, it reminds blooming. me of a just huge, overgrown butterfly bush. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a good Called way. Called poor man's lilac. There you go, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vitex. Uh, beautiful, usually, you know, lavender, purple-ish blooms. You can, they can also come in white. Uh, but it's an easy-to-grow yeah. summer Lots bloomer. Lots of now, too. You know, you've got the, the NASCAR series uh, that's named after Danica White and um, Petty Blue. And then there's another one that's pink, and I've forgotten who that one is. But so, uh, but but oh, you, it's Danica Pink. And, I was uh, going to yeah. say. That's and to me, do y'all Danica. think this, do, you, do y'all look at it more as a a shrub or a ornamental tree? I always look at it <clears> as an ornamental tree. You too. see it growing like a shrub at times, but it's really easy to prune up. Prune it up like you would a crepe yeah. myrtle. It's there were some very big ones. I mean, it had huge trunks on them in the median on North Parkway in front of Rhodes College. Okay. years ago, mm-hmm. we had a winter that went down to about zero and killed them all mm-hmm. um it, there are two things that that i have an issue with now one is they tend to root sprout so you want to put it somewhere where you can control the roots second thing is a lot of people including myself are allergic to the foliage really yeah if i get in there it irritates my skin the fuzzy leaf yeah, yeah. mm-hmm so that that can be an issue if you have allergies, but color wise yes. for something in midsummer, yeah, hard to beat. Yeah, and hard the bees. You talking about bees, bumblebees? Uh, yeah. They love this thing. When it's in bloom, you'll have eight billion bumblebees out there. I'm telling you. So those are some neat, cool, mm-hmm. um, kind of unique and kind of off the beaten path type yeah. things that we need to think about. And it is getting time 
are almost time to plant trees as well. We always love to plant trees in the fall. I mean, you can really, now that everything comes in containers, basically, you can pretty much uh, plant year round. But wasn't the whole thing about us planting in fall was we used to get them all in root balls, ball and burlap. Well, and that it was less stressful if they were in ball and burlap. Well, that, that was yeah. true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, cause, because our ground temperature stays warm through the first of the year. Yeah. And as long as the temperature is above 45 degrees, you're going to get root development. Mm-hmm. So planting them in the fall when there's no foliage on them to lose moisture, you had a much better chance of getting them established before the heat of the next summer. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, pl- fall planting is, for most plants, 99% yeah. of them the best time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The exceptions, I would say, would be gardenias. Mm-hmm. I Sorry, wouldn't plant yeah. those until spring because yeah. they might not make it through that first winter. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get enough roots out into yeah. your soil to get moisture. And when we talk about soil temperature, that that's critical because when it goes below 45, plants have difficulty taking moisture and moving it up through them. Mm-hmm. And when you have plants like gardenias that have green stems, the wind blowing just sucks the moisture right out of those stems, and that's why they so often get killed back to the ground. If you have an established plant that's got mm-hmm. lots of roots and it can get out into your soil to get water, you don't see that as much. Mm-hmm. But on a new plant that's under two years in the ground, you got a good shot at losing them if uh, if they're not well watered. Mm-hmm. So don't I wouldn't plant them in the fall. But good yeah. drainage. But and but like Veda was saying, you know, spring and fall are always the optimal time to plant. Uh, and but like you said, Veda, uh, since most of these things are container grown, which means the the roots have not just been halfway mm-hmm. dug off these plants <laughs> that we're planting because it's it's on its own root system. It's grown in a container. The roots have never been cut. Uh, even if you go out there midsummer and plant a tree or a shrub, as long as it has good drainage and you're watering the way mm-hmm. it should be watered, yeah, you're adding fun. Ro- yeah, right. adding root stimulator, all that. Yeah, and it, the funny thing is, is how the industry has developed that even though fall is the best time to plant every single thing. Your There's selections less are always availability. Yeah. yeah, and we can get tons in the spring, and it's all by consumer demand. That's right. It hasn't been horticulturally by demand, by consumer demand, which is everything basically by consumer demand. But luckily for us, we've got good seasons, and spring's the next best time. Yeah, and, this, and I mean spring like March, you know. Yes, <laughs> but but in, in them fall, you know, we're we're always talking about you know. Fall is the be- the best, one of the best planting seasons out there, especially when it comes to trees and shrubs. The one good thing is you don't have to deal with the heat. And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's the biggest thing. Uh, so yeah, it's a little more forgiving right, personally, personally also. And for the plant. But it's a little more forgiving if you do, you know, uh, skip a, a day or two of watering the way you should be watering. Or you're out of town and you miss one watering. It's not so critical as it would be when it's 100 degrees mm-hmm. out there and bone dry. But like Jim said, if you plant in the fall, uh, you've got the fall, the winter, and the spring to create a really good root system on that, whatever it is, mm-hmm. before the next summer sets in. So, man, fall yeah. is the, it's, it's coming up. It's the next best planting season, that I'm is. telling you. I had actually done, I worked on a design with the Chase Vitex and some things that looked pretty planted with that. <laughs> it's like the Carl Foster grass, yuccas, mm-hmm. actually, um, inkberry, that gives you a really low maintenance landscape, and they they complement each other really well. I have to agree with you, but also let me say this real quick. Better talking about planting in the fall, 
uh, at the during sometimes during the eight o'clock hour, we're talking about the common garden mistakes that you should avoid. Uh, and one of them that I didn't put on there is just exactly what y'all were talking about is going out and buying this massive tree, okay? Because you want a big tree, okay? And you buy this massive thing that has been dug up. So you've got half of the root ball that it used to have, okay? Half of the roots. So they bring it to your property, they plant it. And then I go, I'm going to live beside you, okay? And I go buy a tree that's been growing in a container. Same tree that you planted that's massive. I'm telling you, three or four years down the road, my tree is going to be just as big as your tree, mm-hmm. okay? Because I haven't cut all the roots off of mine. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would go out there and they'll try to buy these large specimens. Yeah. They want something, and I, and I get it. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm just saying that any tree that you ever buy, especially if it's a larger specimen, and they've cut half of that root system off to get the thing out of the ground to get it to your place, it takes two or three years for that thing just to sit there and get those roots going again to get the roots that it needs before it starts growing again. Yeah, and I will say there are a couple of, I know of a couple of growers who <clears throat> basically sell retail who grow in fields, but they go in and do pr- root prune yeah. every fall. I was going to Big ask. difference, John. Yeah, yeah where they've got that. those roots compacted yep. so when they're ready to dig it, even in the middle of the summer, yep. the yeah. tree hardly knows it's been moved. Right. Big but difference. The yeah. vast majority of the big producers don't do that. Yeah. They plant it in the field, let it grow, harvest it, and because they're never going to see it again, they're never going to hear about it died. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. it's going to be the retailer who yes. sold it to them that's going to hear about it died. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, exactly. And root pruning is going around the drip line. You're pruning the roots, and it's causing it to add more roots. Right after you've rem- or cut off the supply to the others. But I was I was going to ask, isn't there a few growers that do that? There are a few, true. you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah. I know of one here in Shelby County. Yeah. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but I'm, so that's why I said this. Don't think that you can't go out and buy a ball and burlap tree and plant yeah. it and be successful because you very well can. But a lot of times, I'm talking about these trees that are already 15, 20 yeah. foot tall, and they'll get these big machines to go in there and just zip, just yep. dig that thing up, cut all the roots off, and take it to your property and plant it. And not to say that the tree is going to die. It'll still mm-hmm. live, but don't expect a lot of growth for the first yeah. three years because right. it's trying to get that root system recreated. And then some of the thought process is I want it big to look like that That's size right. now. That's right. And then later they're like, wow, why is that tree so much bigger? It is true. It's bizarre how that happens. But wouldn't that even, I've heard that could even happen with a container grown tree, like the larger's are still going to grow slower than the 15 gallon. Oh, yeah. I have so many times seen people put particularly southern magnolias in. Mm-hmm. They'll get one on a 15 or 25 gallon or even worse, a bald and burlap, you know, mm-hmm. and then their neighbor plants one in a, in a three gallon plant and four years later, it's outgrowing the other one. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's so. incredible. Plants are incredible. All right. We're going to run to a break. We'll be right back. You can call us 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Still talking about trees. I think one thing that makes the winter pretty here is we do have a lot of interesting shapes on trees and mm. bark on mm-hmm. trees. Well, that's that Persian ironwood I was telling you mm-hmm. about earlier. I mean, if you look at some pictures of these things, yeah, the tree looks great when it's in full foliage, but the 
Golly, the bark on it is what's absolutely drop dead beautiful also. Veda, and even to a smaller extent, some of the shrubs that we plant, like the Harry Lauder's walking stick. Yeah. You know? I can't the find contorted those. filbert. Me either. But that thing, you know, when it drops its leaves, it's got those twisted, gnarly looking limbs on it. So I agree with you, especially here in the Mid South. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. Looking, yeah. What did you have, Jim? Well, I, this is something I posted about the Seven Sun Tree, and I thought I might read it because I think it's kind of cool. Um, the the first one I planted, I I got uh, I think from Dabney Nursery years ago, yeah. and uh, in 2018 it suddenly died. Um, hmm. And I posted a picture of it in 2019, and and this is what I did, I put. I said this is a dead Seven Sunflower, Heptacodium mechanoides, died suddenly last summer. My wife called it her butterfly tree. Mm. When it was in bloom, butterflies swarmed to it. It hummed from a distance with the sound of bees. Mm. I loved what it brought to the garden in both flowers and insects. It was my favorite plant. Mm. The first thought, of course, was to cut it down. My wife asked if we could make a bottle tree out of it. But as I sit here on the deck with coffee in hand, I watch a hummingbird on his way to the feeder land on the exact same tiny twig every single time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can I cut that down? Against the pale blue background this morning, I watch the acrobatic courting and successful mating of a pair of chickadees. If if it were gone, I'd never have seen that. Mm. It is a trellis from our cardinal climber vines. It is my shepherd's hook for suet and mealworm capes that I feed the woodpeckers the bluebirds, the cardinals, and finches. Mm. I can watch and hear the different woodpeckers climb it on their way to the suet. How can I cut that Mm. down? It's dead. It's once again my favorite. (laughs) It was beautiful in life and still beautiful in death. Good Lord. I should only hope that someday someone should say the same about me. In a post note, three feet away, there is a root sprout. Life continues on. And then... Last uh, September 22nd, I posted a picture of the two that have grown from the root sprouts of that. And they're over like 15, 12, 15 feet tall. Well, you now. need to start That's writing nice. books. I'm I telling know, you. That was I nice. mean, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, See, I know. Really great plant. Good Lord. That's that's And that's something wonderful. he wrote back in 18. Yeah. <laughs> when he, what? 2018? When I was 18. That's what I was No, like, wait, in 2018, uh, yeah. yeah. Writing well, hadn't been developed when I was 18. <laughs> Way to go, Jim. <laughs> Well, I love that because I am a proponent of trying to leave dead trees as long as you can, as long as they're not damaging things because of what you just said. While our wildlife, some wildlife need old trees to live yes, in. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. and also to, to that extent, a uh, gentleman came into the garden center and bought two evergreen clematis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he, I was walking out to the vehicle with him. Of course, we're going to load them up. And he had some uh, hollies, like an Oakland oak leaf foster. I think in this case it was a foster holly that had died this past winter, two of them. Uh, and he was uh, shearing them back, okay, just to get a shape that he was looking for, even though they're dead. He's going to plant these evergreen clematis uh, in front of these dead hollies. Right. And the hollies are going to be the trellis that they're going to grow on. Mm-hmm. I'm they thinking, like, yeah. well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Instead of going out there and trying to cut these things down or dig them up, and he's going to use it as a natural uh-huh. trellis. I love it. You know? We're so I guess if we be creative enough, it. you know, we can we can make, you know, lemon lemonade out of lemons, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. 
Yeah, when we just see things differently. Oh, I think there was something posted on the Facebook page. I have never seen a banana spider. There's the garden spiders and the banana spider. Yeah, but what was that? Well, I had posted a, a thing. Somebody had posted about the regular garden spider, the riding spider, and that big <coughs> green spider Beautiful. that yeah, yeah has a little zigzag yeah. on it. But there, there's an, actually another spider that looks similar. Um, that's related to the black widow um, that we have here. That looks very similar. Uh, it, it's the poison is not as toxic yeah. as. Uh, not strong enough to kill a human, but it will will sting a bit. See, I thought we only had the black <clears throat> widow and the brown recluse that were poisonous around here. Well, that are life-threatening, yeah. oh. just those two. Okay. okay. Um, but anyway, I, I had posted to show, show the pictures. There are lots of spiders called banana spiders yeah. just because they're yellow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The wandering spider in Brazil, which is mm-hmm. deadly, is called a banana spider. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, anyway, there's a, I posted it just recently the, to show the difference in the two. One is a is a golden orb spider, and the reason it's called that is because the webbing is gold. I mean, it's not white like most spiders, uh, and it's beautiful, and it's stronger than Kevlar. Yeah. But we don't uh, see that yeah. around here, though, oh, do yeah. we, Jim? Yeah, yeah, we really? do. Yeah. You, you might have them both in your yard. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, I'll just... pull it up and let you see it here in a minute. So see how often he goes to the website. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, they they they're all good spiders though because they're they're going to eat your nasties. But but uh, yeah, I see that now. I cut part of it off, but the top ones, the the garden spider, the but but I mean, but if you've got spiders, okay, mm-hmm. other than brown recluse that you hardly ever see and black widows that you hardly ever see, um, most spiders are out there just. Uh, creating webs in your shrubs or whatever, you know, catching their food. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do we just leave it alone? I mean, because I don't yeah. like I don't like the I don't like webbing yeah. in evergreens because it shows up. Um, <laughs> now, it should I mean I shouldn't be that sensitive? No, to, you know, no. I ought to just leave, let it be. But if you wanted to get rid of spiders, mm-hmm. I guess you just get a generic insecticide, a broad-spectrum insecticide, go out there and spray your shrubs down mm-hmm. to potentially not, in effect, really kill the spiders, which I guess yeah. you would, but to kill the insects that the spiders are trying to Right. And, you know, like, that's one of the foods that birds feed their young, or spiders also. So as we get rid of our spiders and things like that, we're also getting rid of bird food as well. So maybe not care so much about the spiders. What's your take on that, Jim? I mean, just let them. I would leave the spiders. Um, Let them be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I watch hummingbirds all the time go up into a maple, and they go up there and they eat insects. And and then they run down to the feeder and get a little sip. And then they go back up in there and and feed and get the insects off of there. Because the maple tree, if you get in there and move the foliage, it's just full of little insects. You know, pound per pound, insects have more protein protein than beef so insects need that um it's there's kind of like this cycle that ends up feeding us where okay so there's the foliage the veggie part and so you have insects that eat the veggies they can't eat the meat but they eat the veggies then the bird or another insect takes the veggie eater and then he's protein with vegetable nutrients in it and then the next insect gets the the protein and the vegetable out of it, and it just keeps moving its way up. Yeah. So, um, 
till you get to the point where I eat the steak. Okay. Yes, yeah. And, well, I do not, and I do not believe in breaking that and going back and eating the bugs. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you on that. You know, I, <laughs> I'm waiting for my way to the top of that food chain. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we've worked hard to get there. And that's true. So that kind of gives you an idea of the entire food chain. Sometimes we think of the food chain as only animals eating animals, but it starts all the way from the very little thing. And, and some insects only eat protein, but they still need the other minerals and things you get from vegetable or from foliage. And so when they eat that insect that only eats foliage, then they're passing on the nutrients. Yeah, but also when it comes to spiders, a lot of times, you know, it's like when you see a snake, mm-hmm. some people think all snakes are bad. Right. If right. they see a snake, they want to kill that thing other than look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with spiders. You know, I don't yeah. care if it's a garden spider, which we know is completely harmless. They're mm-hmm. good spiders. They they actually help us uh-huh. help get rid of our insects. But, you know, it, it triggers that, that emotion mm-hmm. where people are scared to death of them. Right. If you so, leave spiders in your house, I mean, they're going to eat insects as well. Of course, but you're not going to have spiders in the house. Say, no. You know, well, like where we're, well, anyway, that's for another, because we're going to a break. So, yeah, but you still don't want spiders in the house, Veda. No them, way. I just tell them, come on, man. And Let I me help find, you out. I can find recluses in anybody's house. Yeah. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can join you this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio. She is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. Oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jim Crowder, <laughs> retired nurseryman. And also, he was retiring right there in the chair. Yeah. I was looking up <laughs> An administrator, Jim, of the, uh, the Facebook group, yeah. uh, Mid-South Gardening Zones. Mid-South Gardening, Gardening and USDA Zones 6, 7, and 8. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> great, great. I'm telling you. It is. I know. I enjoy, I enjoyed it every week, but there was nice color this week. Lots of nice flowers and all. And I'm thinking, you know, our weather gave us a week of beauty and it allowed our plants to breathe and grow and absorb fertilizers and all. Mm. Because, you know, when it's so hot, all they can just sit there like we sit there. We don't want to do anything. Yeah, but we know. I mean, we had a couple, you know, nice days this past, this week. Uh, and it reminds me of, Fall, you know mm-hmm. those, those cooler temperatures that were coming through at night. Even during the day, the humidity was pretty low. And I'm thinking, man, that's our next yeah. wonderful season coming up. Yay. And there will be, <clears throat> you know, moms available before too long. Of yeah. course, before too too long, we'll have the pansies, the violas, mm-hmm. the ornamental cabbage, and all that stuff. And then all the fall bulbs and all that stuff. And then, like you were saying a while ago, Veda, it's the great planting season for you know, trees and shrubs. So our next big season is coming up. It is. With cooler temperatures. So I would say um, today that one good thought would be to make sure everything's good and hydrated, add compost to things that um, aren't holding moisture very well. That would help hold the moisture. Add it to your container gardens. Mm -hmm. I put compost as a top dressing and worm castings as a top dressing, and it holds the moisture longer that way plus it works down into the soil but let's go to linda calling from cordova good morning linda you're in the mid-south garden yes thank you you might have already answered this but i'm just getting tuned in yeah how do i i really got three questions 
The first one deals with knockout roses. How do I trim my knockout roses to keep them blooming this summer? Man, you could just cut them in half right now if you wanted to. And I've done all kinds of ways. I've actually reached in and cleaned up some of the inside of it. And then at other places, I just cut them down to like where there's five leaves or to a leaf joint. And I've cut them in half just to Mm -hmm. get them to be back into control. So that's no problem doing that now. And, And Jim, don't you normally say after they bloom every cycle... That they bloom, at least cut a third of it back. Yeah, and 12 keep, to 18 inches yeah. of it back. That way you're less likely to get rose rose in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. All right. I'll trim them back 12 to 18 inches. Well, and, and, and not, don't trim them down to 18 inches. Trim back 12 to 18 inches yes. off the top. Yes, ma'am. Gotcha. From yes, the top, maybe yeah. back 12 inches. Yes, That's ma'am. great. Now, my second question deals with my crepe myrtle trees. That loose bark, Mm -hmm. should we pull that off? And when I was doing it to my tree this week, there was lots of ants there. And I should just use ant spray? Well, the ants aren't causing any problems at all. They they don't cause any problems. And it's fun to pull that bark and off those funny. crepe myrtles. I love to pull the bark off the crepe myrtles. So, mm-hmm. And I slough it off just to get it out of there, mm-hmm. and that kind of disturbs mm-hmm. the ant's path. But I wouldn't even mm-hmm. worry about the ants unless they're close and getting on your house from the tree. Yeah. You know? And I'm with Linda. I did mine about two weeks ago, Linda. It was uh, exfoliating mm-hmm. in the bark, you know, just for aesthetic reasons. I went ahead and started just peeling all that stuff off of there um, mm-hmm. just to make it look better. You don't have to do that, but... I did, and it, it, to me, it just makes it look a lot better. And like Veda saying, the ants there are uh, really no problem. It could be now an indication that you do have aphids in that crate myrtle because ants love honeydew, and, you know, aphids give off that real sticky secretion called mm-hmm. honeydew. So, you know, just kind of watch, look at the foliage, see if you see anything going on up there, if you see any sticky right. stuff on the foliage. Mm-hmm. But if not, other than that, the ants are perfectly fine. Because yeah, if you wanted to control the aphid issue then uh you would drench with the systemic to, to help control mm-hmm. aphids and crepe myrtle bark scale and all but killing the ants won't help on in any of that so you're good with that too all right glad to know that i, I agree i just want to do it for aesthetic reasons yeah. exactly so much better when they are clean, clean. that's right it does i agree <laughs> yeah. uh-huh i now, my third question, I have had corabels in my ground, in my um, flower bed, but they uh, I've now moved two of them to a pot. Well, they last through the winter. Mm-hmm. I'm just so proud of my corabels. They I just will. wanted to keep them through the winter in these large pots. Oh, that's like the perfect thing to use. I use a lot of corabels in containers for fall color, for winter color, because they're evergreen. They're just there mm-hmm. or ever, yes. whatever color their their foliage is, but they keep their foliage all winter. And they do pretty uh, well in containers because you've got good drainage, and they really need good drainage. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good news. All right. Thank you. Love your show. It's very, very helpful. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate the uh, thank call. Thank you, dear. Yes, ma'am. Oh, one, th- one thing welcome. to remember now, you know, I've had uh, had those come back year after year, you know, just fine, eating evergreen in containers. But if you've got them on your front porch where they're covered, make sure that you occasionally check them and water them throughout oh, the winter. Yeah, good mm-hmm. point. That that happens a lot. Um, we got two hello? more. Okay, that was weird. I guess did you hear that? I heard it. Okay, yeah. good, good. Um, Susan's calling from Cordova. Also, good morning, Cordovians. <laughs> You're in the garden. 
Thank you so much, Veda. Good morning. Um, we have uh, a large oak tree in our backyard, a large oak tree in our front yard, mm-hmm. and then the uh, oak corn, uh, the corn, the seeds, what do they call it? The acorns? Yes, they've yeah. been falling. <laughs> and they've gotten underneath the soil, and then you have little trees, mm-hmm. saplings coming up. Would a broadleaf um, weed killer take care of that? Yes, it will, but you want to be extremely careful with this high heat. Mm-hmm. Broadleaf oh. weed killers will vaporize when you get temperatures really above 85 or so. Uh, and they can drift and do damage to your neighbors and a block down the street. It's just really weird what it does in the wind. So, yes, it will kill them, but I would wait until we get into some, you know, little cooler, temperatures. Little cooler temperatures. Now, could, would, could you, would, would you go out there and spot treat at all, Jim? Or is it even with that, you well, still would I think if you're just doing a handful, it's not an issue. But, I mean, you know, if you've got a 100 of them out there, then I probably would you know, just mowing them down will actually eventually kill them because they can't produce any food. Um, but you know, you got squirrels planting them uh, all the time. So yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, Susan, is you know you you are trying to kill the oak saplings that are under the oak tree, uh, and they won't don't want you going under there. Anytime you're spraying a broadleaf weed killer within the drip line of an oak tree. Uh, you oh. still want to be selective, or you never want oh. to just drench the soil with a broadleaf weed killer within the drip line of a tree, okay? Okay, that's, that's good to know. All right. Um, now, the other thing okay. you can do, I mean, you can spot treat, there again with something like Roundup, or you can spot okay. treat with like a brush killer. But a broadleaf weed killer, like Jim's saying, most people safely use those either in the spring or in the fall, just not when the temperatures are above 86 degrees. Okay, because my husband, you know, he's, he's busy working, and our yard is large, and, and he can't go out there and mow them down all the time. Right. No, nothing wrong with spraying them if you just use the right product and you use doing it during the right time of year. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. All right, all right. Susan. Thank you for the call, Susan. And um, we're going to go to the break in a second or two. So, Dwight, you hang on. We're going to get you after the break. But you know what? I was thinking about this. We The trees drop the acorns, and squirrels love to eat acorns, mm-hmm. right? Except for the trees drop the acorns, and then we get rid of the acorns, and then the squirrels have no food, so then they go to our homes. Oh, the they're going to do that anyway. Arr. they got so much food out there. But I agree with Susan. I mean, no one likes to see all those saplings coming up. And cutting them uh, on a consistent basis, Jim, some people can do it. You know, that does help uh, starve them to death, and they'll eventually die. And spraying uh, with either a brush killer, carefully, selectively, something like Roundup. Uh, and the beauty of Roundup, of course, it's not going to move through the soil. Uh, and then even broadleaf weed killers like Susan was talking about. But even with broadleaf weed killers, you want to use it at the right time of year. And like I said, you want to be selective. You don't want to just drench that whole area under that tree with a broadleaf weed killer. And I have a hard time. I pull up the, the little trees, and I've got them planted in little grower pots all over the, the back the, of the nursery the, the, the saplings yeah. and oak saplings so if i keep pulling up those oak saplings and then i can make me a tree farm and then i can sell all those trees for a good amount of money see how she thinks how long is it going to take for it to get to be a tree farm your, kids, your, your, your grandchildren will yeah be able to. that's what i'm thinking too i should have started earlier
I don't know. That would be a good thing for grandchildren, though. Got to think futuristic. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Dwight, keep hanging on. We'll get to you after the break. Y'all can call us, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You know, if you're living in... Arlington, Atoka, Bartlett, mm-hmm. Collierville, Germantown, Lakeland, Millington, Mumford, Oakland, or Somerville. If you're living around here. Uh, yeah, that kind of sums them all up there, Ms. Vader. Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if it says, um, you know, if you're having a lawn problem, insect problem, or whichever one you're having, even fire ants, of course, weeds, brown spots, mm-hmm. bare spots, our Let Me Kill Your Weeds guys at Herbie Systems can solve all of those problems. They've been making our Mid-South landscapes beautiful for over 39 years. And they also, which I did not <clears throat> know, maintain your trees and shrubs, too. Mm-hmm. And maintaining your lawn. You know, it is a complicated process, really, whether you're dealing with the insects or need to aerate. Well, Herbie Systems can do all that as well. You know, but Herbie Systems, they're locally owned and operated right here in Memphis, Tennessee, and they've got over 11 thousand customer properties if you can imagine that the best lawn care program in memphis let me kill your weeds has never sounded so good let me kill your weeds jim yes. says it better than anybody no. up here does, doesn't he uh um so for a good uh for a, a free quote uh this week uh just tell them you heard about herbie systems on the garden show or just say kwam uh, and, of course, that's Herbie Systems. These guys are the experts. If you have a problem or if something you just don't want to worry about, Veda, mm-hmm. let Herbie Systems come out there and do the work yeah. for you. You can give them a call, 901-390-9898. That's 901-390-9898. Uh, and I'm telling you guys, if you want the experts doing it and you don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. and you want the prettiest lawn on the block, let the experts at Herbie Systems do it for you. Yeah. So, like, you can call them and... You can go, come kill my weeds. Let me kill your weeds. <laughs> All right, let's go to Dwight. Good morning, Dwight. You're in the Mid-South Garden. How can we help you today? Good morning. Um, <coughs> I would like to, it depends on how long I have, but I'll, uh, start off with moonbeams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, every once in a while, it, it must be a tremendous summer form because sometimes I'll get maybe eight a day, you know, every every other day or so forth. And it is getting so big. It's uh, about from the uh, shed to the fence. Is, well, it's five foot, and then uh, it's all fully. Uh, today, I sat here, I, I looked at it out when I came out, and I thought, well, I can't count those. There's <laughs> wet, but I did. There's, yeah. I didn't get them all, but there's well over 100 moonbeams uh, on my plants. And, you know, it's all I do oh. with all this rain, I guess, mm-hmm. is uh, just push each time. Now, you have to force them. I'll have to go out there today after they're bloomed and break the uh, the blooms off right. or, or it'll go to seed. Yeah. But, yeah, so that way but, you're getting longer blooms by going out and deadheading them, trimming them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The extra rain has probably helped them because they're drought tolerant, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. they bloom as much when they're in a drought tolerant situation. So I guess with all the rain, mm-hmm. they're just busting out right now. I bet you are enjoying that. Oh, it's just so pretty. Well, anyway, uh, <clears throat> I uh, I also, well, I have a clematis climbing in the bottom of my wisp 
hysteria book. Mm-hmm. Nice. You know, I keep it all cut back on the bottom part of the wisteria. And so I have the bloom in the wisteria over my fence, and then my uh, clematis grows up. Yeah, uh, I like that. So I, I was going to say, Dwight, if you ever get ready to move, let me know. I'm coming over there with a <laughs> shovel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hey, I'll send you a, a, a seed pod, you know, for the uh, for the moonbeam. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's I could I could pull a hundred off in a couple three days. But anyway, I'll tell you something that my wife figured out, and I think it may surprise you. Mm-hmm. One of our little cats comes out on the patio sometimes, and she realized that he she comes over here on the bottom of a table sitting out here and eats the uh, some uh, spider web. <laughs> Have you ever known of that? No. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. Is it like cat I'm floss saying, or something? Cat, cat floss. floss. <laughs> <laughs> cats do the most curious things. Yes, they do. How interesting. <laughs> Well, that's one of her things she likes to do. If I could do just one other thing. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. She, uh, uh, last month, uh, I was out. Uh, we have a lot of nice flowers. They're all uh, mostly uh, perennial. But I started picking, uh, making bouquets and uh, for us. And the first bouquet I made, uh, I liked it so much, and it was uh, Turns out our son, one of our oldest son, died uh, a little over a year ago now. And on his birthday mm-hmm. last month, I actually had picked it, and I didn't think about it. But when I uh, got it in the room, I, this was a real short note. <clears throat> Nothing near as good as uh, your poet up there. But I said, Dear Scott, happy birthday, son. It was his birthday. Yeah, I made this bouquet from flowers from our yard. Yeah, got one of the flowers, the blue one, came from your yard. Oh. We went to visit you yesterday, son. We love you, and always will. We yeah. will see you soon, and we look forward to that day. Love, mom and dad, and so on. Yeah. I, I refresh. I refresh that just so often with wandering Jews, just. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blocks mm-hmm. and I, I put about uh, periwinkles, just whatever's back here, you know. And that's yeah. the way it's supposed to be, it. you know. We, I mean, that's why we do it. Yeah, you know. I mean, you Our know, whether memories. you ever cut the stuff and bring it yeah. inside, or whether we just leave it outside. But that's why we do it. I mean, that's why we love things that do bloom. And then you've got some for memories exactly. as well that you can have closer mm-hmm. to you by bouquets and doors. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Dwight. Dwight, you're well, a good man, buddy. Oh, no, don't go there. <laughs> don't, don't spread that around. <laughs> I won't spread any rumors, I promise you. Thank you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. Man. Thanks for calling, Dwight. Have a great weekend. I yeah. do love that moonbeams. Moonbeam coreopsis is a um, pale yellow. Yeah. Zagreb is a golden yellow. Yeah. Okay. I like my I have both, and my Zagreb stays more compact, mm-hmm. stands up better than the moonbeam. But I love the foliage. Yeah, great, 
it's pretty. In fact, it's almost as pretty without flowers. Almost like yeah. a, a fern. Yeah. I mean, like a, a, a asparagus fern. It really, does. That's a good point. It has great foliage, even if it's not blooming. That would mm-hmm. be a pretty filler in a container as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, and nice. that's just one of those perennials that extremely hardy, typically comes back every year for you. Okay. That can fa- fall under a native category as well. That's a good one to use. And then tick seed, I think, is the other Your name. name yeah. uh, which kind of is a weird Gosh, name. Gosh, there's so many Coreopsis now, too. Uh, what was the original one? Lancel- Lancelotta? Lancelotta and, and what? Yeah. Uh, Tinctoria? Those two. I didn't know the... that one. But I like those, too. But there's like Route 66 is one. And there's all flavors of oranges, burgundies, yellows, kind of to a purple in one. Mm-hmm. And those are nice and hardy to use. And sounds like he's probably just deadheading them or kind of cutting the blooms back so he can get more blooms faster is what it is. And, so. you know, then another one that's easy to grow, talking about perennials, is mm-hmm. the old-fashioned Rebecca. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some come in the other day in gallon-sized containers in full bloom. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's like a little miniature sunflower almost. Um, but if you want a perennial that will take over, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even spread mm-hmm. uh, is Jim, and and some people like that though. They like the yeah. idea that if they plant two or three, I'm out there. You know, a couple of years down the road, they're going to have more than that, right? Um, but that's another just tough, easy to grow perennial. In fact, most perennials are that way, yeah. easy to grow. That Rebecca, I have seen some really pretty swaths of it around town. It's really showing out right now. So maybe a contained flower bed. So I can't get out, but I have had yards that we've just taken out. But the coreopsis, all the time. Yeah, but the coreopsis is not going to be near yeah, as aggressive, right. aggressive as the rebecchias. Right. Some of the yeah, rebecchias. Exactly. And Jim, what, do you still have as many perennials now that you had at your old house? I mean, surely you don't. Well, not over at Christie's yet. But yeah. Come fall, I'm going to move a lot of what was at, at the old house over to over to Christie's. Yeah. Even if I don't plant them, I'm going to pot them up, put them in containers. And yeah. no, really, I mean, you like all perennials. It's not like, you, hey, I've got, a, you know, a hundred of these one type plant. Uh, no. Well, you know, I've got probably a hundred varieties of hosta, but, <laughs> you know, so, and some of those I'll leave and some of them I'll, you know, I'll take. Um, but yeah, I've got to go over and dig some Rebecca's and things like that. But, you know, I got, it's probably 10,000 Rebecca plants <laughs> scattered throughout mm-hmm. there. And echinacea seedlings all over the place, which and can be a good problem, or it can be a pain. You know, getting, they're getting to be really full now. Yeah. You know, yeah. so but you know, so many of the beds that I had, Jeff wants to turn back into lawn. Okay, uh, so and, which is fine. Yeah, so I get all the free free perennials. And then you know, as far as the hostas go, you know, I always said during the hosta sale, you never wanted to be the first first one in line. Yeah, because when they open the gates, you're going to get run over. (laughs) Well, you know, and if you're the last one in line, you don't get any. No, you don't get any. (laughs) And here's Jim. He's got what over a hundred probably different types of hostas, from itty bitty to huge. Green to variegated. So, Jim, if I'm, I tell you what I'm gonna do. Instead of Dwight, Dwight, nothing against you. I'm coming over your house with a shovel. There you go. But you <laughs> or got maybe zero shade, though, bud. Oh, bummer. We'll be right back after these messages. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Glad. You can be with us today. You know, out of 
we always talk about trees. Trees do oxygen in the air, and, and let's just plant more trees, which is which is definitely helpful. That brings in carbon monoxide and gives off oxygen. Oxygen, but you know carbon the ocean. What did I say? Dioxide in carbon dioxide. Yeah. What did you say? It gives I think off I might oxygen. say carbon monoxide. And it's carbon yeah. dioxide. It's yes. the cars that do that. Yes. We just <laughs> yeah. So, but like. Um, 25% of land plants provides oxygen. 25% of microalgae, which is kelp, provides oxygen. And 50% of the ocean provides oxygen due to all the marine microbes and things like that breaking down and so refurbishing. It's ju- so it's not just the trees. It's just not out our there. trees. It's our ocean as well. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. And, um, because you don't ever really think about i mean really y'all think about it where is our oxygen being replenished mm-hmm. from you know and we're bringing breathing oxygen that started from way back because it takes a long time to build oxygen levels up but it comes from as we're knowing trees and plants or land life but wow look at the ocean and the kelp kelp is response the kelp that we use to fertilize with yeah. the seaweed that that variety actually is one of the uh, big oxygen producers in our world. It's the whole ecosystem, you know. Yeah. And one, <laughs> of course, the problem is it's like a domino effect. If something goes wrong, there's usually a reaction mm-hmm. to that, and then a reaction to that. Right. So, oh, so what if our oceans are getting really hot and killing off microorganisms, and that's how we can be having too much carbon dioxide? In the air. So now I should I'm breathe slower? What? Breathe slower, Jim. Breathe slower, Jim. Quit, quit over there. Everybody, for five minutes, don't yeah. breathe. Yeah, right. <laughs> I kind of look at it like this. We are a virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of these days, Earth's going to get tired of us. Yes. <laughs> Find right. a cure. Shake it right off. Find a cure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those vines we were talking about. <laughs> Common garden mistakes that you should avoid. Okay, and one of them is not breathing, Ms. Vader. <laughs> one of them is not going to the garden center every week. Right. <laughs> exactly, Jim. Uh, one, of course, we talk about this all the time, is um, overwatering. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the – because I'm telling you, a lot of people just don't understand that too much water is just as bad or worse than not enough water. You can kill a plant just as fast or faster by overwatering than underwatering. And I've talked to so many people all the time that they'll go out and plant that tree or that shrub, and they'll go out there and kill that thing with tender love and care. Uh, talking to a gentleman, I think I told you all this story two weeks ago. He went out there and I asked the guy, I said, how often are you watering this plant? Remember, he said every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. every day. Uh, and he really thought he was uh-huh. doing the right thing. So overwatering is a big-time problem, especially if you, if you have inadequate drainage, which a lot of us do. Yeah. Uh, they don't, uh, you know, have the proper draining. So keep that in mind. That's one of the big uh, no-nos that you should keep in mind. The other is planting too deep. Uh, roots uh, need air to breathe. You know, they can't take it up when they're uh, buried six foot under, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it, but it's true. When you're planting trees and shrubs, if you're doing it yourself, uh, you always want to plant a little bit above grade, above the soil level. Now, you can come back and lightly mulch that in. That's all fine and good because you don't want the roots to dry out either. But so, so many people are planting their trees and shrubs, Jim, as you know, just too deep Mm -hmm. you can do everything just right good drainage the perfect spot but if you plant it too deep where these roots are not getting the air that they need um you know they're not going to make it so that's another one of the big ones that you should avoid 
and this one I kind of this is this is what this was pointed toward me. It said <laughs> over fertilizing. Uh, your plant grows too fast. It refuses to bloom or fruit because it's susceptible to disease and we, may suffer from fertilizer burn. We had this conversation last <laughs> week. Yeah, didn't we? we did, yes. So overfeeding is a real yeah. thing. And like I said, because you can produce all this green growth. Mm-hmm. You don't get the blooms that you're looking for. You don't get the produce, if it's a vegetable, that you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, it makes it more susceptible to insects and disease, Jim, invaded because of all this new growth that right. you have just forced on this mm-hmm. plant. So um, over-fertilizing, I guess even a lawn could pose a problem, Jim. <laughs> even a lawn. Even a lawn. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> all right. Um, this is not, not reading the labels, okay? Mm. And, yeah, reading the labels is boring. We all know that. But it's also essential uh, at least you exterminate your plants, your pets, and yourself, right? Yeah. And and they said, you know, uh, bug killers don't kill weeds, and weed killers don't kill bugs. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's never a bad thing to read the label of anything that you buy, uh, especially if it's uh, if it's toxic. Yeah. Uh, and I'm telling you, people mm-hmm. don't look. I'm raising read my the hand. Label. Uh, people yeah. do not read the labels, guys. So that's another thing that you want to avoid uh, because. It, it makes a big difference. And that's another one of those things where it says one tablespoon to a gallon of water is all you need. And I'm thinking, well, two makes it even mm-hmm. better. Yeah. That is not the case. <laughs> really? Because it doesn't use it. It just does not absorb by the plant. Well, but and not only does much, it not use it, much. it can also be detrimental. So mm, read the label, guys. Um, and I never even thought about this one. This is one that says applying a weed and feed with a broadcast spreader. A weed so and feed because you can't control no. it. <laughs> a weed and feed has got the fertilizer and the weed killer, a granulated weed killer in it. Yeah, and people dump it in their broadcast spreader, the uh-huh. spreader that doesn't drop it out, it throws mm-hmm. it out, and they're running down beside their beds and you know beside the neighbor, yeah. and it's throwing this stuff everywhere. Right. So right. that's because it can damage some of the ornamental plants. Heck yeah, yeah, it can. It's like spraying weed killers in your ornamental beds because i can see somebody running along the side of the flower bed and the lawn half to get into the flower bed half in the lawn because you're going to want to control weeds in your flower bed so you're like yeah i'm killing two birds with one stone but that's this mm-hmm. crazy I mean, the whole flock yeah <laughs> right, the whole flock, so yeah. keep that in mind when you're doing weed and feeds uh, you might want to stay away from the broadcast spreaders and then of course you know this is one that we all do uh, pruning hydrangeas at the wrong time we know most of the Old-fashioned hydrangeas bloom this year off of last year's growth. You don't go out there in January or February when there's nothing but sticks sticking out of the ground and cut these things back to make it look better, right? Yeah. Because you're also cutting off all the blooming tissue. Um, scalping your lawn. You know, that is I'm guilty of, of that also. Yeah. And, you know, if you scalp your lawn, you're thinking, okay, I don't have to come back and cut this thing for two more weeks instead of cutting it every week. Well, not really. If you scamp your lawn, you're getting the sunlight down closer to the surface. You're going to get a lot more weed growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, burning the stalins. Y- yes. It's messing up the soil. Yes. It makes it easier for the rains to compact the soil because there's no grass. Yes. So <laughs> it, it is not a good thing to do during the growing season, especially during the summer if you've got Bermuda and Zoysia, uh, to scalp your lawn. So keep that in mind, guys. I've got three more here. Um, Planting shade trees between the sidewalk and the curb. And it made mm-hmm. me think of, especially down in Midtown. I don't know what those people were thinking 50 years ago when mm-hmm. they were planting these trees. 
where the sidewalks are buckled and the roots are, you know, there's just as tall as pipes sticking out of the ground. And it's so beautiful. <laughs> but, Jake, man, if you ever, ever at know. a younger age, trying we to just, ride a bicycle down the sidewalk, it'll kill you. Or if you can't get in the street. I know, it's a bad thing. But, man, I'm so glad all those big trees are there. Keep going. I know, way. but you're right. Planting <laughs> shade trees between the sidewalk and the curb. Uh, and now there are some trees, Jim, you know, more now, yeah. you know, that you can plant. But stay away from the big shade the oaks, trees. They're yeah. going to lift up everything. Uh, planting trees and shrubs in small holes. We all know uh-huh. that. When you <laughs> dig a hole to plant a tree or shrub, Dig it just as deep as the root ball, two to three times as wide. And we see so many times they'll dig that hole the same size as the pot that it's in, yeah. stick that thing in there, stomp the dirt around it, and wonder, hmm. Ah. post hole syndrome. Right. Yeah. Jim, thank you. Not I a good thing. I say people measure and meticulously try to make the hole exactly the same as the bucket. Yeah. And this yeah. was a funny one. This says uh, mulching with lava rock or rubber mulch. You know, and love, we've all seen some of the commercial settings mm-hmm. where you've got the lava rock out there where they're saying, you know, we're not living in Hawaii. You know, right. we're we're not there. We're in the Mid-South. So stay away from the lava rock. It heats up mm-hmm. much hotter than, uh, you know, mulch does. It doesn't keep your, you know, your soil temperatures cool at all. Um, and then the rubber mulch, you know, which lasts forever, It that stuff heats up also. Now, I've known people that have used lava rock. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. And I've known people that have used rubber mulch. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying this is one of the things that I was reading yesterday, last night, right. that they're saying big thing to avoid because right. they well, just like, don't do what they're supposed to do. Like lava rock is an energy con- conductor and because things grow so well around that. And that's why they're putting lava sand in a lot of the organic materials, just some more to break up the soil. Lava rock can occasionally have good uses mm-hmm. if you've got plants that are borderline hardy because it will heat up in, will. in the winter time nice. and help keep the soil warmer around that plant mm-hmm. you know now if we're talking about two zones different it's probably not yeah. going to make a difference but you know if, if you're planting a, a zone eight plant in zone seven having lava rock around it may actually increase your chances yeah. of it getting to that the could winter. be a good winter prep if right. you weren't yeah all right i love it All right, we're going to go to another break, and we'll be right back. Good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So some pretty combos. I had to write these down. The combos, you mean? Plant outside in your garden. That look good together. Oh, okay. Yeah, combos. Not like a Flowers, combo. perennials, trees, shrubs. Yeah. I like red rocket barberry. I do too. With a, like a yellow juniper. Mm-hmm. What was the name of that yellow juniper? Now I can't remember. Dabs, daubs. It's got some yellow on the But you end. got that beautiful red with that yellow. Yeah. And, or a yellow plant. Um and what about uh, the pincushion flower? It looks so pretty together, and I see people that have good results with it, but it's almost like a 50-50 to me, too. Now, is that the is, scabiosa? Yeah, yeah, scabiosa. Yeah, so I love that. That looks so good with the yellows and the reds. But anything that blooms blue, Beta, mm-hmm. and the pincushion flower does, people yeah. gravitate to it because right. there's not naturally just a lot of blues out there. No, not at all. And that gilt-edge iliagnus, it's got, like, yellow... On the uh, silvery the color. Yeah, that's a pretty combination. 
I mean, have y'all ever sold those before, though? Yeah, I never. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought so. Yeah. I've never. There's been one around for years and years mm-hmm. and years, but it was not as um, uh, hardy, yeah, or strong a grower as the regular E. V. Agnes. So it mm-hmm. just it it just didn't look very good in the garden. Yeah, a gilt bummer. edge is a better cultivar. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that because I saw that combination not not planted around here, but I saw that combination. It was really striking. But the frustrating part was the gilt edge iliagnus and then the scabiosa, the pincushion flower. Because I was like, oh, will that really work? But remember when they first started coming out with yellow foliaged plants? Mm-hmm. Of course, they've always been around. But a lot of people, when they see it, the first thing they thought, especially on broadleaf yellow looking plants, yeah. they're like, That's- that thing looks anemic. It looks oh, sick. You know, it needs to be that. fed. Yeah. But. I'm We're with you, Veda. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, especially mm-hmm. on some of the conifers, like the, the junipers yeah. and some of those smaller-leafed plants. I didn't realize how many, really, how many different colors of conifers that we're still able to grow here. Because when I go to the northern areas, the thing that's so striking is because they can do mostly conifers is how they group them together with the different <laughs> color foliage. And I was thinking, well, we, we have the same. We have like a, a the gray owl juniper, which is yeah. kind of gray, the blue Pacific, which is, you know, bluer. Um, we've got a lot of where you could just go all evergreen and have different uh, color foliage. But I am getting more used to yellow foliaged plants. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be yellow, by the way. Yeah. And that was a hard one to, to get used to for sure. But now one... Um, combination that we know works here is the Russian sage. Mm-hmm. That's t- uh, blooms blue. It's got gray foliage. It mm-hmm. gets tall. It's a good height one. The um, red hot poker, except I like the yellow poker, looks good with that blue Russian sage. The either the feather grass mm-hmm. that blows back and forth in the wind. It's really beautiful. Or the black madre, madre that's got the black cattails on it. And then throw a boxwood in there for the green. Well, and I agree with you. Ornamental grasses, and there's so many on the market now. I mean, so many from every, you know, size, from mm-hmm. 12 inches up to, you know, 8 foot, everything in between. Uh, but I love them. And in the fall, when you start getting the plumes, uh, I think that is, you know, we're talking about plants that are underplanted. Mm-hmm. I really think ornamental grasses as a whole yeah. are really underplanted, honestly. We, we do have to be discerning between which ones we use because used to I was like any ornamental grass will be great, but some of ours die out in the middle, some of them die only on the sides and then there's some that look good 24/7. Yeah. yeah. So many of them will flop if they get any shade. Yeah. 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 We might need to do an ornamental grass list one time. I'm just going to pick about five I thought you would. Is it in your Is list? Is it on the thing? I'm not sure I posted it, but I will. I'll okay. get it in. But I have, I've already done a complete list. But some of the maiden yeah. grasses are absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Some of the, you know, the miscanthus grasses. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, some of the dwarf ones out there. Oh, uh, the pink muley. Pink muley grasses. Yeah. When, it, when it's pluming, it's, it's, it's great looking. Mm-hmm. But but I still think they're underplanted perennials. I really do. Yeah. We touched on something a little while ago about the the um, the black lava rock and how planting it can. You know, this is um, showing you all a picture here. This is Scadoxus. This is an extremely poisonous plant. Um, it's a zone nine plant, and I had them survive this last winter. What do you mean you had them survive? Oh, because of the lava rock. But no, because of where I planted them next uh-huh. to concrete and got them right up there. Oh, they, I got you. And they not only came back, they multiplied. Okay, tell us the name again. Scadoxus. 
Yeah. You spell it's it. It's what the in Africa they use them for poison darts. So hold on, what, did, what the <laughs> and for poison arrows. And you have this in your yard? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with oleander, this poison. I have too. oleanders. I have sago palms. You know, the dogs don't bother those. Now this one I'm going to pot up. Uh, it's you know, and, and keep it. Jim's going to wander through his backyard one of these days and just not come out alive. I'm and telling I'm you. It's so hard trying to find, spell that. Skadoxis. S-C-A. But what did it say about D-O-X-U-S. lava rock? D-O-X-U-S. Anything about lava rock? Not in here, but I, th- I have used lava rock to do just that. And that yeah. would help keep that keep soil that temperature warm. warmer. Yeah. Now, this one I planted right along the concrete on the driveway so that it would get the driveway heat because I knew that you know anywhere else in the beds it's not going to be already. So, but it did. It came back. Well, and to me, the lava rock reminds me of the white rock you see in front of some old commercial buildings driving, you know, in 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 the country. Yeah. Uh, it 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 just doesn't look no. right to me. Now, I'm a, not saying this. You know, you can't do it. I'm not right. saying don't do it. I'm just saying it just doesn't. It looks. There's a house not far from Christie's where that has white rock all in the flower beds. Yeah. And it's been for sale, and I think it's going to stay for sale for <laughs> Because of the white rock. <laughs> that's yeah. my impression. You know, I was passing It is a, so ugly. That's yeah. the way I feel about it. Well, I pass a white house with white rock that faces a lot of sun in the afternoon. And, and they it looks plant, pretty darn good. No. But the plants is what's surprising me because they got dwarf Alberta spruce planted in those beds against a white house with white rock that gets afternoon sun, and they're looking really good. This is its third year. They're looking really good as we speak. Yeah. But we all know that Alberta spruce, it's not going to be a long-term look Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. I don't care if it's in the perfect spot. I remember I had that Alberta spruce in a container in the garden center for like three years, Mm -hmm. and it it, because I all of a sudden got to the point where I didn't want to sell it because I wanted to see how – I mean, we put it here, we put it there, everywhere, not a lot of rain, a lot of water, da-da-da-da. I thought it was in the corner where nobody would take care of it, and it still kept surviving. So, it, And I punished it so badly, in the full sun. Well, and that's what people do. They buy them in the fall. They look beautiful. They you know, look like miniature Christmas trees, mm-hmm. and they put them in containers on either side of the door, wherever. And they're great. I mean, they're they're absolutely beautiful, but... It, they, they love cooler weather when it starts to get really hot around here anyway. Uh, but my mother-in-law had some on either side of her garage, and she had them for like seven years. Yeah. And that's the longest I've known anybody <laughs> to have good-looking Alberta spruce, full sun, like you're yeah. saying, Veda, good drainage. But after about seven years, Jim, she probably just didn't get out there and water them at one point, and they did make it. But, or, but the, are they sensitive to, like, they they do great if they have better drainage? Got to have it good drainage. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's usually. I've said this a thousand times, but you know, anything that has words like Colorado, <laughs> Alberta, yeah, uh huh, Alaskan, right. it's probably not a good plant yeah. for here. Right. <laughs> and that's where we're falling into trying to plant natives over ornamentals. The name but gave there's it some away. Ornamentals you don't choose, but I still sell dwarf Alberta spruce because they look great in containers. A lot of times we're only of them. only using they make them. Great in, little Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, so they've There's got a place. Of them in the fall, you know. But there again, I mean, it's not something you'd go out there and plant them in your landscape thinking, hey, you know, 20 years from now, this thing's going to look great. Like you do your arborvitas. Right. Don't put a row of Exactly. Them, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And people know better than that anyway. Right. And, you know, we got a little bit left, but we didn't talk about houseplants at all, which are outdoor plants. 
but I have been doing containers and hanging baskets with all, mostly all of the outdoor plants because of different color foliages. Oh no! And so you're creating we, hanging baskets yeah. and containers with nothing but house plants, right? And then we can bring them in in the winter. All right, y'all. We will see you next weekend in the Mid South Garden.